Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful, British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall, and I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhammer. And MLS is back, baby. Officially, not on the pitch, but the CBA has been ratified. As we talked about in last week's show, all signs were pointing to the players voting to accept the new CBA agreement with the league. Season would get underway, and that's exactly what has happened. Confirmation of the deal was announced on Monday. The new CBA will run to exactly when the league wanted it to run to, a two-year extension. It will expire on the 31st of January 2028 now. Seems so far away. Under the deal, the players will get 100% of their salaries for the 2021 season. But there has been changes to the the maximum player compensation and salary budget charge and salary caps and various things like that. Again, kind of a win for the league more than the players. There's been a, a couple of changes to free agency. The previous CBA, a player needed to be 24 years old and have five years of service in the league. But beginning in 2026... That's been expanded to include players who are 24 years old and just have four years service in the league. Ultimately, that's not going to affect that many players because it is kind of a, a transient league as we, we talked about last last week. There's a few other things as well to do with revenue sharing, with the TV deals and, and stuff like that as well, charter flights. It doesn't look like a great deal for the players, but they voted to accept it. Didn't come out whether it was unanimous or how many players voted for it, but it's been agreed, it's been ratified. There's going to be a 2021 MLS season. It's not, however, going to start on April 3rd. It's now been pushed back two weeks. It's going to get underway on April 17th. That's going to have huge implications for the four, possibly five MLS teams in this year's CONCACAF Champions League. More of that coming up in part four. But it will also see training camps pushed back. They're not no longer going to start towards the end of February. February 22nd was the, the date that was slated for that. They've now been pushed back into March. No confirmation as to exactly when the, these will get underway. But whenever they do get underway, it's going to be a big hit for the Whitecaps because they're going to have 
potentially up to 10 players, uh, maybe even more, depending on who gets called up for, for various squads. But there's going to be a number of players away on international duty, whether that's with Canadians' senior men's team, the under-23 team, Iraq, maybe Ranko gets a call-up for Serbia, maybe Kamiri goes away with Tunisia. There's a lot of players that could potentially be leaving the Whitecaps camp. On the plus side... They're going to be involved in competitive games and a camp there, getting up to match fitness, but actually playing in competitive games. So that's all good. Should get them back fully fit, rearing, ready to go. Hopefully no injuries. On the downside of that, though, it means Mark DeSantis isn't getting the time to work with his team as a group to plan certain things. You've also got the quarantine aspect as well. What happens at the end of these games For example, Canada are playing on the 25th and the 28th of March. Those games are expected to take place in the US. Now, at the end of that, if the players were to fly back to Canada, they'd have to undergo 14 days quarantine. So the chances are they're going to end up staying in the US. Does that mean the rest of the squad will fly down early to kind of join them in there? A lot of questions around that. That's something I'm going to be speaking to Whitecaps CEO and Sporting Director Axel Schuster about in part three. So check that out. But before we get into any of that, for the rest of this part, I'm going to play you some audio from MLS Commissioner Don Garber's conference call with media on Wednesday morning. He just wanted to discuss the ratification of the CBA, answer any media questions. Now, the the overall call went on for over 40 minutes, so I've cut it down considerably. It's about 16 minutes, it's what you're going to hear here. I've kind of gone for the most pertinent points, the things that's going to be of most interest to you, the things that affect the Canadian clubs, just discussing what might happen with the Canadian clubs this season. I've cut out all the pleasantries as usual. So there's some important things talked about there, some some key issues uh, that we're going to hear about. So let's just bring you that now. Here's MLS Commissioner Don Garber. Let me start by thanking the players and the MLSPA and their leadership for their hard work and their collaboration on this new agreement. You know, during the best of times, and I think many of you have heard me say this before, CBA negotiations are difficult. Uh, Negotiating multiple agreements in just over a year is unprecedented, certainly for any professional sports league, and was only done because it was absolutely necessary for us uh, to ensure the long-term success of Major League Soccer. It became clear to all of us that earlier this year, and I talked about this in my last uh, media call, that Uh, The pandemic would place restrictions on fan attendance once again this year. So we made the decision in December to trigger the force majeure clause that was in the CBA that we negotiated last year. And during the last month, we spent quite a bit of time in discussions with our ownership, the MLS board, as well as our players union and obviously the players negotiating committee thinking about the best way that we could address the impact of the pandemic on Major League Soccer. And as all of you know, and you've heard us talk about, we had enormous time pressures to finalize the new agreement in order for us to open up training camps and start the season to accommodate what will be a very, very busy calendar. And you've seen 
more and more announcements come out from CONCACAF and U.S. soccer as it relates to what else is going to be taking place uh, during the 2021 season. Early on and in the last negotiation we had with the players, they were very clear to us uh, that salary adjustments were difficult for players in our player pool to manage. Our ownership has been clear that we needed financial concessions to address another year of uh, what we know will be significant economic impact from COVID-19. Together, now that we finalized a new seven-year CBA, I believed uh, that both players and ownership achieved their respective goals. The players will receive 100% of their salaries and bonuses in 2021, even as the pandemic continues. For the owners, we were able to extend the CBA for two years and accommodate for the financial impact of the pandemic this year, the impact of the pandemic this year over time, over the years of the extended CBA. And I've, I've read a lot about this over the last couple, a couple of days. You know, this agreement is not about the league uh, and the players winning or losing. It's about the game winning. It's about getting our players back on the field for our fans and our partners and continuing Major League Soccer's uh, 26th season. By the end of this CBA in 2027, and I haven't heard a whole lot about this mentioned in the media, MLS will have been able to experience 32 seasons without a work stoppage. That's unprecedented among the major North American sports leagues. It's a credit to our players, it's a credit to their union, and it's a credit to the MLS owners to create the kind of dynamic that could have labor peace for 32 years. And as all of you know, and you've heard me say this many times, our owners have been in an investment mode for many, many years to help establish and support the growth of professional soccer in North America. We've built an entire ecosystem and something that we're all very proud of that has almost a thousand players on our rosters and in our academies. We employ thousands and thousands of employees who work in on the field and off the field roles. We have so many of our players after they retire working in the game for the league or the system around the league. We've got millions of fans and importantly, our clubs throughout the US and Canada have been able to establish real core connections in the communities where we play and where our players and staff live. That's something that we all should be very proud of. We've built this league from the ground up, building stadiums, training grounds, player development programs, including MLS Next, which you're aware of, youth academies, so many things that defied what everybody thought top level professional soccer could look like in North America. There isn't anyone 25 years ago that thought we would be able to create the ecosystem to create the league that we've been able to create over time. And now we'll have labor peace through 2027. With a, a further delay in the start of the season, do you, do you get a sense of um, when you'll be able to get large number or decent number of fans into the stands seeing that game day revenue and game day experiences are so important? Yeah, you know, Steve, I wish I had a, uh, a better answer than the one I'm going to give you, which is we just don't know. You know, we are encouraged by uh, the rollout of the vaccine under the new administration. Uh, we obviously have challenges in Canada. I'm, I'm sure we'll get questions on that. 
uh, we really don't have any exposure to it at all. Uh, I was pleased to see fans in the stadium at the Super Bowl in Tampa. And I was pleased to see limited numbers of fans in some of our stadiums, including in Columbus for MLS Cup. But Steve, we have no exposure to uh, what those numbers are going to look like, though I could assure you that uh, I don't have any sense that uh, that fans are going to be in, in our stadiums in large numbers uh, for uh, probably most, if not all, of the se of the season. Asking questions about the year ahead, which, as you said, would be very busy. You want to start in, in, in late April. You've got a 34-game regular season. You've got multiple extracurricular tournaments. How, how is the league going to decide who plays in the Open Cup, in the League's Cup? Will there be a limit on participation in tournaments where each team can only play one just because there's not time to play more? And then at the end of this season, there is still a force majeure clause in the CBA. So, so what has to happen for the league to consider triggering that again once all these games and all this congestion is over? Thanks. Yeah, I mean, Brian, it's a really good question. And, uh, and there's a lot of work that needs to be done on the competition side. We have twice a week uh, discussions with our product strategy committee. There'll be CSO calls uh, to go through uh, how we're going to decide on who participates in the U.S. Open Cup, what our competition calendar is going to look like, how do we manage the League's Cup. These are all important priorities for our league and, and kind of spoke to the necessity for us to get this resolved within the time period that we uh, were able to achieve. Uh, so I don't have an answer to you, but I could assure you that we're going to be able to uh, finalize uh, all those issues very, very soon. Uh, as it relates to the, for the force majeure clause, I, I certainly hope for all of our sake that uh, it doesn't ever have to be uh, invoked again. It's not something that we have uh, discussed. Uh, I think not just for our sake, but for humanity's sake. I think all of us want to get past this pandemic, want to figure out what the next normal is going to look like. I think I speak for everybody in the sports industry and the live event business that, you know, we are ready to get back to work, get our fans back in our facilities, get our players back on the field, be able to have normalcy with what will be new health and safety protocols uh, and, uh, and hope that we never have to uh, trigger that force majeure clause ever again. Couple questions, if I may. First, uh, what is the plan for the Canadian teams? Do you expect that they will be playing uh, their home games in the United States again? And then, secondly, um, the NBA put out its policy today, saying that they will require the national anthem to be played before games after Mark Cuban had um, said that he wouldn't play it. Um, I'm just wondering if you're considering a policy. Would you require yeah. that? Yeah, so Rory, our policy as it relates to the national anthem hasn't changed. Uh, you know, when we do not have fans in the stadiums, uh, we will not have a national anthem. When we do have uh, uh, fans in the stadiums, we will have the national anthem. And that's not something that I, uh, I see uh, changing. You know, what is going on in Canada uh, is, is very challenging. Uh, you know, we continue to work with our teams to engage with the Canadian authorities. You know, they're Canadian version, Health Canada version of the CDC uh, on this issue. Uh, and we're going to uh, abide by whatever the rules are as established by Health Canada. Uh, but uh, as you could imagine, all three of our teams are working on uh, alternative plans as to where they're going to be uh, certainly in the short term uh, playing their games because it doesn't look like in the, uh, we'll have immediate exposure to this uh, in the near term. Uh, and I feel for our Canadian clubs and I feel for our players. Uh, it's, a, it's a big challenge.
Um, just wondering, you, you, you addressed this before, but um, Toronto FC President Bill Manning has said that he's hopeful that his team will be able to start the season at BMO Field. Of course, nobody's sure at this point, at this point as you said, but are you hopeful that, you know, the, the Canadian teams might be able to open at home? And if not, would you guys be sort of negotiating with the various Canadian governments, local, provincial, federal, during the season to maybe make that happen as the season progresses? Yeah, it's hard for me to say whether I'm hopeful or not. Um, and Bill is probably better to talk about it as it relates to what's going on uh, in Canada. You know, as I said that, uh, you know, what, what our approach has been in Canada is to have our teams uh, and their owners, you know, who are very, very well connected uh, in the three provinces to engage with the, the local Canadian authorities on this topic. And they're all leaders in their community. Uh, so uh, I will say that the league uh, has now uh, will will engage with the three clubs and their ownership and probably get more involved in engaging with Health Canada. But as far as optimism is concerned, it's hard for me to really comment on that. Uh, Two-part question. Uh, first, all, first off, I'm, I'm guessing Canadian teams are probably going to be starting off here playing uh, against each other. I don't know if you can, uh, you can confirm that. But once they do get going and set up in the United States, who uh, takes on the burden financially of that? I I'm guessing the league uh, has got to be helping, but to what extent? And my second question is, uh, there's been a lot of pushback here in Montreal concerning the new name, the new logo. Uh, it hasn't been very positive at all. Um, what's what's you know, How do you feel about the fact that so many fans are not liking the, uh, the rebrand? Thank you. Yeah, you know, so let me take the last one first. You know, the people who like it are much quieter than the people who don't, right? And I think that's just the nature of rebranding overall. You're going to look at almost every major rebrand, whether it's in the consumer product business or it's in the sports business. It takes time for people to sort of come to terms with and uh, and get comfortable with uh, a rebranding. And, and we certainly have seen that in Major League Soccer. You know, I've got a lot of faith in Joey uh, Saputo. I got a lot of faith in Kevin Gilmore. You know, they went about this for uh, the right reasons. I think Joey had this great group in order to make, you know, uh, uh, a more impact with our club in Montreal, we need to move away from the impact and, and have a brand that, you know, reflects what this team is, which is, uh, you know, a, a team up in Montreal and French speaking Quebec and, and uh, connecting with great history and great legacy for professional soccer uh, in Canada. And uh, I like the rebrand. Uh, our people were involved with, uh, with Kevin uh, on the creative. And I think in time, people are going to really love it. Uh, but it doesn't surprise me that there's a loud uh, voice uh, against it. You know, I, I understand it and, uh, and, uh, and accept it. Uh, we have not yet made any determination. It's important whether the Canadian teams are going to be playing against each other up in Canada as is happening uh, in, uh, in the National Hockey League. You know, right now our focus is trying to get an understanding as to when our teams can play in their home markets. And in the event that they're not able to as our season uh, start, uh, you know, is in front of us, having them have homes in the United States uh, where they'll be able to do sort of like they did at the end of last year, uh, be able to uh, play uh, their home matches. Uh, so um, uh, nothing to report there, but as you can imagine, it's um, something we're working on and trying to understand every day. I just, I know that was a long question from our my friend in Montreal. Uh, the, the league is 
does provide financial support to our Canadian clubs. How much is something that I'll leave between us and our teams. Uh, but obviously they have to incur financial costs because of uh, the inability to be in their home markets and uh, the rest of the league uh, ownership, if you will, the league entity has been providing support uh, in order to lessen that blow. Wanted to ask about uh, COVID vaccination. Um, does the plan? Does the league have a plan in place to uh, roll out vaccinations to players and, and team staff? And regardless, uh, is there going to be some sort of mandate um, that players have to be vaccinated or, or anything like that? Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. Uh, you know, I was in Miami last week, and as I was driving up to the the, the Inner Miami, you know, temporary facility, there was a you know hundreds, if not more, cars lined up outside. Uh, because the Inter-Miami facility is being used as a vaccination site. I know a number of our other facilities, uh, and particularly one in California, uh, is, uh, is being used as a vaccinated, vaccination site in so many other sports facilities that you're all well aware of. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm pleased about that. Uh, but we have not put our players or our staff in front of any other uh, buddy who uh, is, is in need of the vaccine. Um, and that's something I felt very, very strongly about. Even if there are the so-called leftover vaccines, uh, we've worked with our clubs to be sure that they're made available to those uh, that have pre-existing conditions uh, or elderly people, those that uh, really do need the vaccine before uh, younger, healthy, healthy players uh, and or staff. Uh, we have not made any decision uh, on whether we're going to require vaccination of our players, uh, I will say, I can't imagine a world where we would. Uh, I don't think that that's, uh, that's something that we would force upon our players. Uh, our teams will make the decision as to what they're gonna do as it relates to the vaccination uh, of their staff. Uh, I will say I'm encouraged that more and more vaccines are available. And I will say, you know, I hope that our league, like other leagues can be a leader in this space, particularly when we have Lots of, of uh, Latino and Hispanic fans. We have lots of, of black players and black fans. And, and I hope amongst those groups, which seem less uh, uh, likely to uh, want to be vaccinated, I, I hope that we can live in a world where, certainly live in a country in the U.S. and Canada, where uh, everybody's vaccinated so that we can all be healthy uh, and then we all can get on with uh, some normalcy in our lives. MLS Commissioner Don Garber there. Zach and me are going to unpack some of what he said there in the next part. It's These, these calls I genuinely find quite frustrating because it's the, the same media that gets asked to ask the questions every single call. They always go with the newspaper guys, the kind of mainstream media. So he does get a bit of an easier ride and perhaps maybe going for some of the more independent sites. There's always some questions thrown in about stadiums and stuff as well, which there was again this time round, which I, I cut out. If anyone does want to, to hear the, the full audio of it, let me know. I, I can put it out as an, an audio podcast. But I think that was the most pertinent points there, the key issues that we've got to look at and talk about. And we're going to be back doing just that after this. 
Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part is this month's Artist of the Month at AFTN, Scottish band Idlewild, with a song from their fourth album, The Remote Part, which was released in 2002. That was You Held the World in Your Arms. The lyrics there... You held the world in your arms tonight, which of course we all believe when we're holding our significant other. And for Valentine's Day weekend, that's why I picked that song. We're all romantics here at AFTN. So let's get back to talking about something else we love. Football. So we heard from Don Garber there in part one. We're just going to unpack a little bit about what he said there. So as, as I mentioned, it was, a, it was a long conference call, over 40 minutes. I've cut it down to about 15 or 16 minutes, just of the most pertinent things there. Thank you. Gar, Gar, yeah, thanks. everyone's thanking me for that. I had to sit through that. Garber is still talking up that this threat of the lockout had to happen. Force majeure had to happen. And that they've got around the table and everything sorted out. He said the owners had been in investment mode for many years and... They had to say, save money. He hopes that they never have to use force majeure clause ever again. But there is a chance, depending on what happens this year, that they could invoke it again at the end of the year. We won't go over what we've talked about before, but from looking far from within, it still smacks of opportunism and it's not something that had to happen. But it's been agreed... We talked on last week's show, we were a bit disappointed, but it's been agreed now. I guess it's just a case of making the best of what what they've got, Zach, and just getting on with the season now. Yeah, I agree with you on the opportunism. Uh, It's definitely that from MLS. And, I mean, these are supposed to be football clubs. You're supposed to be investing in, like, the the future and the longevity of of your organization. So that's, I don't know, yeah, it's hard to listen to, to Don Garber talk about things like this um the i don't know we've, we've been saying it for i don't know how many cbas now but you really hope <laughs> one day the players will hold the feet their feet to the fire um because, and i get it's tough because they're cutting oh, yeah. off their income yeah and they've got mortgages to pay and families to support i mean it's easy for us to sit here and go yeah i wish they'd they'd stayed strong and, and got locked out which would have ultimately helped the canadian clubs in the long term but that that's right for another day but I mean we've got the agreement now and 
there's a few sites that came up with winners and losers from it. And Don Garber addressed that, saying that he'd seen that and he didn't think that was the appropriate way to talk about it because there isn't winners, there isn't losers. Everybody in the sport has won because of this. That that like that's man, that's daft, isn't it? Like yeah, obviously the the league has come out once again, uh, getting more of the the larger piece of the MLS, you know, footballing pie. Yeah, and they, they've and, pushed everything back two years, so the players don't yeah. get the automatic benefit now from the twenty twenty six World yeah. Cup being here. They're saving a lot of money with different things getting pushed back, and it's hard to see really how the league lost in this in any way, shape, or form, apart yeah. from in terms of publicity and people's perception of them. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the only reason Garber says that is he just views this as a positional thing. The, like, the owners, because they're the one who have made investment, they deserve they deserve more. And you can argue that if you want, but without players, there is no league. Without players, their owners have nothing uh, for people to come to their stadiums for, and I don't, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's hard to appreciate some of the things he says, especially around this issue. Looking at it, the, the I mean, the, the players, you can see that they've lost out on a lot of things, but at least they have got 100% of their salary this year. There's going to be a season. It, it's been pushed back two weeks now to, to start on April 17th. I still would have liked to push back in, into May. I just think that logistically from a Canadian club point of view, it would have been much, much better. Training camp, it, it just got announced on Saturday, is now going to be kicking off on March 1st, although teams that do take part in the CONCACAF Champion League, which we'll talk about later in the show, they, they can come back a, a week earlier. It's all very messy because there's so many different areas. that, that Quarantine, for example, in the US... MLS are having a mandatory seven days quarantine for players returning. But in the US, it's not like Canada where you've got your 14 days quarantine when you fly into the country. So already the Canadian teams are on the back foot and disadvantaged in that regard. We're going to talk to Axel Schuster in the next part as well, who explains exactly what problems that causes for a, a club like the Whitecaps. But it's, it's not a level playing field. It wasn't last year. It's not going to be again this year. And from a Canadian club point of view, they just have to try and make the best as they can out of this season. No, the Canadian clubs are in a terrible, like it's a, a terrible situation for them. Uh, and the league is, is not doing them any favours. No. I mean, Garber as well, a couple of times said that he was proud that by the end of 2027, there will have never been a work stoppage in MLS, unlike other North American sports. And the thing is, and Manuel Veth tweeted this out, and it's something that I strongly agree with as well, you've got to look at yourself. You're not in the North American sporting landscape per se. You're in the global footballing landscape. If you want this league, and he keeps talking about the growth to be one of the top 10 leagues in the world, an attractive league for first choice, for, for players to come to. You've got to look at yourself in the global footballing landscape. They don't have work stoppages on the whole in the in general football. There's not talks of lockouts. There's not this kind of stuff because the transfer system and the contract system works completely differently. And to, to kind of hammer home that point, I, it kind of just, it just sounded ridiculous to me. 
Yeah, it was it was another one of the ridiculous things that came out of his mouth during this this whole situation. Um, I get it. He's trying to he, one of his goals is to always compare MLS to the other North American leagues and to hi, uh, hype that up for Americans essentially. And um, yeah, it, it's it's it, I agree with you. I agree with Manu. It's meaningless. It, like that's you, you want you want to be known about how you the the bigger the bigger thing in this is. How are you, how are you perceived as treating your players? Yeah, go talk to the players right now. How do they feel? They've been they've been treated. I don't think I don't think there's too many players in this league right now who feel really positive about their relationship and their union's relationship with the league and the owners. You're gonna have players in this league, like from all all, all over the world. That's gonna have friends that are still playing in other leagues, calling them up and saying, "Oh, this MLS team's been interested in me." Uh, what's it like there should i go and after all these negotiations there's going to be some players that's like yeah the life's good but no this league no don't go go get a contract elsewhere it's bound to happen oh yeah for sure we oh it's happened we've heard of instances of it happening already true some of the other stuff that gara talked about from the fans aspect and he doesn't see them in stadiums this year in large numbers, possibly for the whole season. But as we saw last year, different areas of the states are allowing different levels of fans in. And it does look like most teams probably will be able to get some fans in in the states. Portland's talking about letting fans into to Providence Park. Governor Cuomo in New York has talked about letting fans get into to New York, and for all their faults in the pandemic, much like the UK, the US have kind of got the vaccine rollout ticking over quite nicely, so you're going to probably get a bigger bit of the population vaccinated. We saw the Super Bowl, all those fans that, that were there as well. So I, I think there's going to be a lot more fans in attendance this year, but we're a long, long way away from full stadiums which, of course, the clubs and the owners need to bring in revenue, with MLS being one of the leagues that really, really relies on, on gate revenue to, to support their teams. So I, I don't know what situation we're going to be in in a year's time, but it's going to be better because there's going to be a lot more fans in attendance. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the situation. I don't know what happened at any of the American stadiums last year. All I remember is what happened in Montreal. Where they let in whatever it was, fifty people or whatever, or, or two hundred. Oh yeah, they charged through the nose. For like two hundred and fifty dollars each. It'll be interesting to see if any of that happens, any of that kind of opportunism happens. Um, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the Whitecaps land in Salt Lake or wherever they land, if they, they will try and sell tickets to their game. Yeah, I see. I tweeted that out, and someone was like, "Who's going to go and watch the Whitecaps?" And it's yeah. like, what else is there to do in Sandy? I've been to Rio Tinto. You've been to Rio Tinto. Yeah. It's in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing else about. It's like if you live near there, I'd go well, and watch the team. There's some okay shopping. There's there's a crazy movie theater we went to one time when I was there. I've been oh, there a couple really? times now. Yeah. I mean, I, I stayed in Salt Lake City, and I, I got the train out, which in itself is like 35, 40 minutes away, and that's by fast train. We stayed in Sandy once, and then we stayed like way north, like Sandy's to the south, right? And we stayed way north, in like near like the slopes, like in a like a chalet, like a near a mountain kind of thing. One time, 
Um, so quite different experiences. But yeah, Sandy, Sandy was okay. We were only there for the game, really. They were like in left the next Yeah, day. I never really got a chance to explore Salt Lake City because we were staying in Santa Barbara on holiday. And then I just happened yeah. to notice that there was a direct flight from Santa Barbara Airport to Salt Lake City. And I was like, ah, why not? I got to, we got to spend like a half day in, in Salt Lake. It was fun. I arrived at four in the afternoon, had a quick nap, went to the stadium, and then flew home early the next morning. The drive is nice. We, we came from the game in... We, oh, we Okay, we went to the game in... Uh, what's it called? Uh, they were coming to MLS. Sacramento. We spent the night in Reno and then drove the next day from Reno. So after the game in Sacramento, we drove to Reno, stayed over, and then drove to Salt Lake. The drive in is quite nice from that, that direction. It's lovely in that neck of the woods. Like I've been to Lake Tahoe and it's lovely around about there. I always wanted to go and see Reno play and go back to Lake Tahoe, but then of course they folded. I that, I, 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 that's one of the things I miss is is travel. I miss driving. Like I'm, I miss the days of driving to Portland like two to five times a year. Yeah, I didn't think I would, but I do. Yeah, I, I, I like I, I miss just being able to go to every game every week in Scotland, and it's like a half hour to an hour drive max, but. Aside from that, I do miss the drives down to Portland and all the little places that we stopped off and along the way and the fun that we had at the border, trans- transporting Cascadia Cups over as we get searched as if we're criminals. <laughs> we won't go sure. through that story again. Surely we can find a way to blame that on Garber too, right? Oh, I, I think he probably just mentioned it, even though we weren't in MLS at the time. But no, no, I'm, I'm sorry, I meant the not being able to travel. Oh, I just thought you meant me getting stopped to the border. But that, I, I wouldn't put anything past on Garber. His powers... Rick, Ricky and I forgave you. Yeah. I, st- I still have flashbacks to that. You'd, I'm going to ask you one more time. Are you sure you don't have more than $10,000 in cash on you? <laughs> well, how I'm much very cas- sure. How much is the Cascadia Cup worth? <laughs> <laughs> Unless my wife's been hiding things in the car without telling me of her big stash of money... I'm pretty sure I don't have ten thousand dollars in cash. Period. I, dude, I would have said even if my wife was. Like, <laughs> like, do you not see how I'm dressed? Do I look like somebody that has ten thousand dollars in cash? Anyway, so yeah, fa- fans, they are going to be there, but just not in the in the numbers. But at least that's a positive sign. It's a little bit of of getting back to to normality. What will the season look like? How do teams that might qualify for all competitions? be able to fit in all competitions. And you've got to look at it. And like we talked, the US Open Cup, it looks like it's coming back, but there's only going to be eight MLS teams in it. So then you've got like the League's Cup. So any team that's taking part in the League's Cup is probably not going to be one of the teams that's taking part in the US Open Cup. So who knows, might even find the Whitecaps invited to the League's Cup as a little thank you for having to relocate or something. But it's meaningless, right? There's no... It's meaningless just now, yeah. There's no CCL, yeah. But it's going to be interesting. And he, he was asked about that. And they haven't made a decision yet. But that seems to be his answer for most things when he was asked about what the season will look like. We haven't actually got a firm answer to that yet. Which did make me think, has it been pushed back two weeks because they need more time to work in this? Because yeah. they've got no idea how this is all going to work out. But you cannot run these teams and players into the ground, especially in a busy international calendar year as well. What's the start date again? No, it got moved 17th, from the game. April seventeenth. Yeah, okay, yeah, I saw that it got moved. Yeah, the, yeah, I saw. I think I saw the Whitecaps tweet with the like thing scratched up. Yeah, 
But the, the US Open Cup is going to be eight teams from USL, uh, eight from MLS, and then some from the other regional leagues and the smaller leagues and stuff as well. So it, it's more exciting, possibly, because there could be more shocks. Well, it's more exciting, but it's not a, It's not a, an Open Cup now. No, that's exactly it. But at least they're having it this year because they, they scrapped it last year. Yeah. Which is why Atlanta's in the the Concacaf Champions League as the 2019 winners of the the U.S. Open Cup, despite not qualifying for the playoffs. But th- there's still a lot to get worked out. The schedule still hasn't come out yet, so it's going to be interesting to see what that's like. Whilst the league and everyone is still going through the pandemic, clubs and players will still have to charter to every game, so that's an- another big expense for for the league as well. That's yeah, and that's fair. That's a legitimate big expense. Out of oh all. yeah, absolutely. And like Garber was asked, for the Canadian clubs, who's footing that bill? Is it the Canadian clubs or is the league paying that? And he didn't answer it at first, but then he kind of answered it in the next question, making a joke about, oh, the question was so long, he basically forgot about answering that part. But the league is making a contribution all the club owners are basically supporting the three Canadian teams financially, mm. but he would not say by how much. Mm-hmm. Is it 50 50? I, I, I don't know, but at least that's something that they don't have to pay it all out of their own pocket. Uh, the last thing that we'll just talk about from it it doesn't look like the players are going to be mandated to have to get a vaccine. He felt that they, he didn't foresee any situation where they would say to the players, you have to get a vaccine. Freedom of choice, like rights, stuff like that, I guess. But he did hope that the the players would be kind of leaders for their communities, especially the Hispanic and black players, because it's felt that the take-up in those communities might be lower than elsewhere in the US. So he's hoping that the players will lead by example and get the vaccines done. And I think they will, because I think we've seen with soccer players before, they're a lot more socially responsible than maybe players in other sports. And I think they will lead the way in that. But it is also concerning when you see these polls and it's like the percentage of people that aren't going to be getting the vaccine. There's still a big risk that, that games are going to get called off because of COVID this year. And one thing that wasn't asked in the call, and it was something I was wanting to ask but wasn't picked to ask, is are they looking at points per game again if there's postponements or the teams forfeit or are they going to make sure that they play these games? Because that's a big, big thing and it needs to be decided and up front exactly yeah. what's happening. I was just going to say that that needs to be when the schedule comes out or by the first, before the first ball is kicked, everyone needs to know not just the teams, not just the owners, everyone, the media, the, the supporters, the fans, they need to know, well, you know, what the rules are of this game, like what the rules are of the league. It can't, it can't come out in, yeah, you know, whatever it was last year, August, September, October, when one team has only played, you know, five shorter games that you're going with points per game. And then everyone needs to know at the beginning. Yeah. And, and obviously, you, it, they, it's fair now because we know one team could play. I mean, you've looked at like, what every week I read headlines of this team can't play that team. Can't oh yeah. Play in this board. And didn't the NFL come out and say they had six or 700 positive tests over the course of their season? Yeah. So like, yeah, you, you know, 
you know that some uh, th- there's definitely going to be tests. There's going to be de- there's definitely going to be games called off. Exactly. Now, we saw it in Scotland this season, where they implemented a rule that if your game was called off for COVID, and the club was deemed responsible for breaching regulations, you forfeited the match, hmm. and then the team got a three 0 victory and and three points. So. There was two teams. One was Kilmarnock. I can't remember. It might have been St. Mirren was the other team that were deemed that their players had car shared and they were told they weren't to car share. So they had to forfeit the games. Both the games happened to be against Motherwell, who got six points without playing a game. But then both those teams took it to court and challenged it uh, and won their rulings. So then automatically they have to now play those games. So Motherwell went from being challenging for a European place to being in the relegation spots because they took the six points away from them. Oh, my. So it's like crazy stuff like that. So hopefully things are clear-cut. There's not any court action, and we know exactly where we stand. But points per game is terrible. It's not how things should get sorted. And I don't know what the answer is, but in in a year where it's a busy schedule already, it's going to be tough. To make games up if they're called off. That's that's the thing. Yeah. But anyway, we have a season. We've got a lot to talk about in the coming weeks. We've still got a lot more to talk about in this show. And we're going to turn our attention to the Whitecaps in the next part. I got a chance to sit down with Sporting Director and CEO Axel Schuster on Saturday for a lengthy chat just about the Whitecaps, the CBA, what the season's going to look like and the problems ahead for the team. We'll be bringing you all of that after this. Hey, I am Axel Schuster, and I'm listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it might have sounded a little bit familiar, but no, it wasn't the song we played last week. That was a different song by Utah Saints. That one sampled Kate Bush. This song by them samples Glasgow band Simple Minds. And that was New Gold Dream. 81, 82, 83, 84. Taken from Utah Saints' self-titled debut album from 1992. And I've dug them out again because I think someone at the Whitecaps clearly is a big fan of Utah Saints. 
looking to maybe move the Whitecaps to Utah for the season. Because yes, it's been a, a week of interesting Whitecaps news. No player signings. Well, no new player signings. Jake Norwinski did re-ink a, a new contract extension. But news came out that it looks like the Whitecaps are not going to be calling Portland home for the 2021 MLS season. Instead, they look to be heading a little bit further south, a little bit more altitude, heading to Utah and Salt Lake City, to be a a little bit more exact. Or I guess you could say Sandy, to be even more exact. That hasn't been confirmed, though. That was just the murmurs that were coming out from Utah media. But the other big Whitecaps news is, overall, there's been an overhaul with Overhill. Yes, finally, the Whitecaps recruitment department is all set. Nikos Overhill has been announced as the director of recruitment, overseeing the revamped recruitment department. The Dutchman first came to the club as a, a consultant last October, previously worked for one of the top analytical sites in football, Statsbomb. He's previously been a team analyst and first team scout with English Championship side Brentford, Danish Super League side Midtjylland, and he's worked as a, a consultant for a number of clubs all over the world. There's been a few other changes in the department as well, and we're going to delve into all of that shortly. But first of all, got a chance on Saturday to sit down for a chat with Whitecaps Sporting Director and CEO Axel Schuster, just to talk about those things, the ratification of the CBA, and a lot more beside. So go grab your favourite hot beverage, a chocolate digestive, sit back and enjoy this episode's feature interview with Axel Schuster. So thank you so much for, for joining us today on a snowy Saturday, Axel. How, how's the snow in your neck of the woods? It's quite bad out here. Yeah, there is the first snow in Vancouver this year. Um, um, and I think since one year. Um, but, but nothing in comparison to Germany right now, because uh, Germany has more snow than the last 25 years. So it's, it's heavy snow in Germany. So um, I, I was anyway surprised that uh, even last year, as we had the first snow here, people in Vancouver are really not prepared for that. Yeah. From a European, if you're in Europe, you always think the Canadians, they, they are the experts for snow, but maybe everywhere in the country, but not in Vancouver. Yeah, I, I, you'll find out the longer that you hear, that's pretty much every year. But I, I, I love the snow. It just, it just makes it all nice. I saw the, the temperatures in Germany were pretty cold at, at the moment. So, in general, by the way, I love snow. But the only thing was we had to, to uh, we had to cancel all the intra squads of the youth today, and I was prepared to go there and to see them. So ah. for that reason, I don't like the snow. But but also that I, it's something I have to learn in Germany. All the clubs have heating under their even after yes. Under, and even under the turfs for the for the academies, but uh, yeah, it, it's okay. I, I I learned that I learned about the snow thing in Vancouver. Well, it's been a busy few days for you, I can imagine. So, like having a, a chance to maybe have a a snow day might be quite good for you because the season was officially confirmed on Monday. I think it sounded like everything was always going to go ahead when it went to the vote anyway. So. The clock, I guess, is now ticking in regards to getting everything done. It was announced this morning that pre-season camps can begin on March 1st. 
How much work do you feel yourself and the club have to do now before pre-season camp kicks off? Or is there no big rush and you feel that there's still a lot of time to get everything in place that you need to get in place? Yeah, so for all the three, three Canadian clubs, I think that the, the, the time up to the start of the season cannot be long enough because um, we have to deal with so many additional problems and I have to say that disadvantages in comparison to all the US-based teams. Um, it starts with with our quarantine and uh, we had a tough time the last weeks to 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 explain how tough our situation really is in regards to quarantine as we were speaking with the uh, medical um, uh, medical uh, department of MLS as well about that thing so because um, uh, MLS is uh, implementing a, a seven days washout quarantine yeah. for training, and that makes a ton of sense, especially if you are in a market where a player can arrive from South America, Africa, Europe, Asia, wherever, with a commercial plane and can go the next day onto into a gym or onto a pitch. But here in Canada, every player that arrives sits straight for uh, two weeks, fourteen days in a, in an apartment. Now, now implemented even with three days mandatory hotel in a designated hotel of the government. So our players cannot do anything for 14 days, nothing that is comparable to, to anything that looks like a off season training, going out for a run, going in a gym, um, doing all that stuff. So, um, I think with the last, uh, change in the rules. This is okay. Everybody can do the quarantine, the washout quarantine already uh, prior to the date. So this is the reason why we also can start on the first already with team training. Um, I know there is that's a voluntary part as well. So, but uh, as all our players here stuck here in our market already in our market uh, are all all beside of two, um, and uh, everybody is only waiting to to do something. Um, I feel pretty good that we have a good group on the first, so it helps us a little bit, but <laughs> it continues for all the players that come late for signings, players that need a visa right now, like Daiba Casedo and this visa issue is mm. still not done. They will come later. They have a 14 days mandatory quarantine again. So now we are working with the federals to get and get one exemption in this, in this quarantine that the player can stay in his condo for 22 hours, but he can go two hours out in a safe, secure environment in our club, a gym, to do some exercises. At least it's still not comparable to some something uh, happens in, in other markets. Every signing in the other markets can join the team uh, after seven days. Uh, and in the seven days, this, this player can go to an, to an external gym. So... Um, but it's the next one. It's still not done. Um, then we have to find a solution and, and we're working on that since a while. So, um, in regards of timing, in regards of timing, of course, we, we took already all time only. We were, we are working on that literally since the last game last season. Um, we have to prepare, uh, uh, an alternative solution south the border again to play our games. And uh, the schedule is still not announced, and we, mm. we, we work hard and fight for uh, finding a solution that gives us the option to play as many games in, in, in BC plays uh, later in the season. But 
of course, there are so many factors playing into that. So, so remain optimistic that we will we will come back and play games here. But for the start of the season right now, I think uh, everybody who who is in Canada will agree. It doesn't look like that the uh, American team is allowed to cross the border and to play here. Means we have to find a new location. Um, and this is these this time it's even different than than last year. Last year we were stucking at home in a in a lockdown, and we went to Orlando and we came back, and then it was clear for a limited time uh, with pockets to go home to go back home. Uh, we we every player knew we have to go to Portland now, but but uh, there are pockets to go home to see my family for a few days, and then we go again. Yeah, and and there is a is a logical end <laughs> of that this year. I, if somebody we are speaking with with family fathers and 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 if they ask me what should i tell my wife honestly and i don't want to 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 paint the picture too nice so what is your assumption i don't have one what should i tell him you come back in one month two months three months four five six i, I think nobody can answer this question today and uh, said that um, we deal with every single player and staff member that has to go with us with his problems, with his individual situation. We, we would like to offer our, our staff and players to bring their families. The club would do the service for that, uh, would, provide, would provide housing there. Um, we are not planning to go into a hotel, but the border is closed for non-essential travel. Yeah. So first, first, a Canadian one. So whoever, a staff member, player, Canadian, his wife cannot go because the border is closed and she first has to be essential. So if we, that, now we are dealing with the U.S. immigration, the federals there. So even if they consider those families as essential, we have to deal with families that, that need visas because we have Colombians that have their families here. And, and even in the in a non-COVID scenario, they cannot go to the US, the families, without a visa. But do we get a visa process now done for these families? Do we get a visa approved? In which limit of time? The Biden administration just canceled the, the priority program for uh, professional sports athletes. So there are so many things that change every day, every week. And um, so, yes, the whole organization is, I think, working 24 uh, seven. Um, and uh, and we, we, we think about every possible solution and scenario, and we have to strike out so many after, after we thought about it. Uh, we remain optimistic that we find a good setup, that we find something that, that uh, makes it the least, the least uh, complicated for our players uh, for their lives, but again, uh, we are not alone. Uh, it, it also it's the same situation for Montreal and, and Toronto, mm -hmm. and it's a clear clear disadvantage. And I'm not speaking about the financial impact to our club, beside of the cost for going to south the border and staying there, also for for to deliver our content, to deliver our, our deals, our sponsorship deals and, and partnership deals. If we are not in the city, if we are not playing in our stadium. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's another tough year ahead of us. Yeah. When I hear all that, it's like even, I mean, I, I didn't envy the job that you had and obviously I knew it was, there's a lot to take in, but like just hearing you say all that, it's even more in depth than I even thought it, it, it would be. 
because obviously I, I know you can't confirm just now where you're going. Portland last year seemed ideal. I know Portland's opening up. They're even talking about having fans in a, at Providence Park as well. Utah has been the place that's that's been kind of bandied about. And that seemed strange when I first heard that. But from what you said, that now makes total sense because if you're wanting to move families down there, there's going to be a lot more places that you could maybe get accommodation or whatever for them. For anyone that can't move their family down, if you did end up, say, in Utah, I know the the two eastern teams, Tampa Bay, has been kind of mentioned. I take it that stops any return back for these trips to Canada then because of the distance. No, not so. Yeah, not of the distance. So also let me, because we thought all about all that, the flight from Utah to here is an hour longer than from Portland. So this doesn't change okay, so, so much. Too bad. So you go, you go, you go in the evening and fly after a game or whatever at, at 10 and you arrive at 12 instead of 11. So because the last year in last year, we always flew in the evening after a game. So they arrived sometimes at, at midnight, sometimes at one at one o'clock in the night, but it, it doesn't change so much. The problem is the three days mandatory quarantine in the designated hotel. Because mm-hmm. last year we went home three days always. Mm-hmm. So if you're now stuck in a, man, in a hotel, you cannot see your family. So we, that, that holds us back from going home. Yeah. Because what kind of sense does it make if we go home and we stuck three days in an in a, in a, in a airport hotel? Um, the, the, and I, one word about Portland, and we discussed Portland with, so the contracts are not signed. So Portland is, is uh, uh, of course, a place that we considered again, but we, 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 it, it was ideal because the university was closed and we had exclusively access to the stadium, what we will not have this time. We had exclusively a whole hotel for us and we built it like our own house, but the hotel will open up within the month. So we will have other guests. Then it is a totally different world because you, you don't want to mix too much with other guests because of the COVID still and the restrictions for us. Yeah. So, but if the hotel is open, this is also different. So we, the, the setup in Portland, and I don't say it, well, it is impossible or was impossible, the setup also had to be totally different. So we were also looking in Portland now for a different setup. As we, and exactly, you summarized that very well, we are not looking for a hotel. We are looking for, for housing, for condos, for apartments, uh, one bedroom, two bedroom, three bedrooms, whatever a, pl- a family needs, um, as we want to give them some more private life. Mm-hmm. Um, and somehow more normal life and nothing is normal. And, and of course, uh, um, that, that would be also possible in Portland. It might be, we might find, or it, it, this might be one good reason for, for Salt Lake. The main reason why, why we are way high on Salt Lake is um, that they built a total new environment for the professional female soccer team. Yeah. And the, the soccer team, the Utah, the Utah soccer team uh, went away just yeah. after they finished it. So the branding is still there, but we would have a facility that is comparable to, to our facility here, UBC. So we would have our home with offices, with gym, with locker rooms, with massage rooms, with, uh, with all you need, with, with player launches and dining rooms and conferences rooms. So you would, we would have that sort of home because if we are looking not to stay in a hotel, you don't have the environment of a hotel. In the hotel, we had everything of that. We had a meeting room, we had a massage room, we had a... But now, if you live in condos, 
where do you meet? So you, you need some form of home. Your condos are not the, your home. You need somewhere where you meet as a team, where you have a meeting, where you have your meal, where you prepare for training and all of that. And, and for that reason, Utah offers very, very good options for us. And it, it looks really, really good there. Interesting. Uh, like pre-season's obviously been pushed back a, a couple of weeks, which at least gives you a little bit of breathing space in one regard. The other regard, though, is... March is obviously a busy time in the international calendar. And like looking at the squad, there could be up to 10, maybe even more guys away, I guess, with the senior Canadian national team, the under-23s. You've got, does Ranko get called up? Does Kamiri get called up? Ali Adnan, all those kind of things. How, well, two questions around that. How can you have a camp when half your squad's not there? But also, what happens then... When they finish, like say the Canadian guys, 28th of March is their last game. Do they then stay in the States because they can't fly back to Canada? Otherwise, they've got two weeks quarantine. Michael, I have to say you could work for me, really. Because <laughs> if, you, if you would see my, my flip chart there with, and on the top, the red buttons are our main problems right now. This is another one. And then thank you for bringing it up. And it, 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 I, I really like, uh, I would really like that everybody... Uh, everybody understands our problems. Uh, and once again, you know, we never used problems as an excuse. We want to perform. On the first game day, we want to win. I promise you, whatever this preseason looks like, it's no excuse. We will not have... If we lose the first game, and we will not lose it, we will win. But if we lose it and, and somebody says, yeah, but it was so complicated, he has a real problem with me. It's not an excuse. Uh, but it is an disadvantage, no question. Mm. Right now, Right now, you're right. We want to stay for the full prison in, in Canada for a lot of reasons. Um, one of the reasons, obviously, is um, we want to give the players the maximum time to be with their families. That is possible if we go on the road again. So, But right now, it looks like that the Olympic team uh, will be together for four weeks and all other national teams, especially the Canadian one, as it has to play a World Cup qualifier, will be together two weeks in March. So um, this means... <laughs> Uh, right now, our our only normal assumption is eight players. Our worst case scenario are twelve players that are gone. So in our preseason, so mm. uh, you're right. If you have a squad of twenty eight players and twelve are gone, you cannot even play eleven against eleven. So yeah. easy calculation. So that means there's another reason to stay here because then we have to bring up a lot of academy kids to only have 11 against 11. But yes, of course, the competition and the level of co training will drop because nobody can expect that then the U19 and U70 kids or whatever, that they fill up is directly into the role of, of Derek Cornelius, Cavallini, Max Kepo, and all those kids. Um, so the other problem is, and it's, that, that's the reason why I say you could work for me, it's what we, are, we, we wanted to stay here up to three days before our first game. But if the players are coming back from the national teams and they come to Canada, they go again into a 14 days strict quarantine. And, and now there was, a, there was somebody bringing up, yeah, you maybe get a modified quarantine with these two hours. What I said at the beginning, to get this modified. Yeah. But this doesn't help because if you are in this modified quarantine, you are not allowed to interact with players that are not in this modified quarantine. So we would still, these 12 players would not miss four or two weeks. They will miss six or four weeks. So, in, so the, 
with that said, start, and you said 28th of March, they are coming back on the 1st of April, 14 days. This is three days before the first game of the season. Mm -hmm. So now we are waiting and it is not approved what the MLS rules about that are about that because also MLS has reintegration rules after being in a camp, uh, in a national team camp. So let us assume the MLS rules would say it is whatever, <laughs> three days, five, five days, seven days. Of course, it, the only thing that makes sense to be at a place where to prepare our first game now, we are not speaking about six weeks of camp. We are speaking about the last two weeks before our first game that we are at a place where the team can train together. And as a Canadian, and I feel as a Canadian, uh, there are a lot of good reasons to do the 14 days, but these 14 days uh, hold us back from being oh, yeah. together. So we have to go somewhere else. And where is that? It's it can only be in US. And and that's the next point. And that's the next problem we are dealing with. And because because uh, to, to say that, it sounds so logical, but now I maybe have to explain an Olympic squad player that he is away from his family four weeks longer. Because because he is already four weeks with the Olympic team, he goes straight to our camp in the US. And, and this is four weeks more. So believe me, this is not uh, something they are really hoping for. And it's not the ideal world of our uh, national team players. And and they see it as a big disadvantage because everybody has also a private life. So uh, and and I know we all have to we all are working in a very nice business and we have a lot of privileges, but we still have a little private life and this little private life doesn't exist anymore and that makes it really hard. Yeah, well for mental health, aside, apart from anything else, because you can't just be focused on work the whole time, you have to have something outside. When you hear that, I'll be honest, and you don't have to comment on this, I wanted there to be a lockout because I thought it would benefit our Canadian players and the Whitecaps if the season started a little bit later. Sadly, it, it hasn't. A couple of other things. Let, let's look at the big announcement yesterday then. Uh, recruitment department is set. Um, Nikos has come in. Statsbombs, obviously a very big uh, website for analytics. I was trying to find this book that I actually bought Mark for Christmas two Christmases ago. And I haven't given it to him yet and now I can't find it. Because I was wanting to know if you'd read that. It's somebody Beerman. It's a German guy. Yeah, that had, yeah. yeah. I, I imagined you, you had. So, I mean, analytics are such a big part now of the modern game. And I know that Nikos has worked with Brentford and you just have to see the success of Brentford at, at the last couple of seasons. What was it about Nikos then that attracted you to, to feel that he was the guy that was the right guy to lead the, the recruitment department? And I take it with modern day recruitment, he's going to be based out of Holland and he doesn't have to come over here. Is that right? Oh, there are so many questions in that. First of yeah, all, sorry. <laughs> The German title is Football Matrix. I really recommend everybody to read it. I don't know what the English title is. There's for sure there's an English title. Maybe it's the same. Uh, Mr. Beerman wrote a wonderful book. Um, the second thing is uh, he was also working for Midtjylland. I want to bring that up because mm. it went this year to the group stage of the Champions League. Uh, in a way, a complicated group is, uh, with Atalanta, Bergamo, Liverpool and Ajax Amsterdam. So this was, uh, uh, was a great group for for. For if you like soccer, because there were three very interesting teams: Liverpool, Atalanta, Bergamo, that is also doing a great job, and Ajax. Anyway, 
Um, now, and the third one, and before I go, why Nikos? He is not. He is. He is. He was. He was living in the U.S. Uh, in U.S. in England. He was living in England, um, but um, he moved now back to his home country, and he will come to Vancouver. It's he will not okay. do his job. He will not do his job out of uh, of Europe. Um, it's not a question when does he come because uh, obviously yes most of the work he is doing he right now he can do from from Amsterdam but he wants to join the team he is a director of our club he 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 as a director in our club you should also have an opinion to 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 other things so we ask we would like to ask him about other things the analyzer of our own team at one point are if he if he want to discuss uh, uh, um, um, future developments or different different setups for our club. So um, for that reason, um, he is much more than only leading this department. He should be a leader for this club as well. And why Nikos? Um, because I think data became the most interesting, but also the most dangerous word in soccer. Um, you can solve everything with data, but you can also do everything wrong with data. So the most important thing if you want to do you use data is that you do it right and that you have a black box that that uh, that helps you and Nikos is our black box to look at the right data for your need um, and that is way different so um, every every club has a different approach has a different idea wants to use data for different things and uh, so you need somebody who is very very good in reading and interpreting data. Um, not, 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 not. He doesn't has to be good in collecting the data. He has not to be that, that uh, data analyst. He has to be the guy that is, at the end, collecting all the data, like a black box, and and out of this, um, writes writes profiles or writes uh, summaries, and he's way way good at that. He worked for we. I, I think I said it before, I, as I arrived, everybody knows that, the, the, the scouting recruitment department, I like recruitment department, by the way, because it's much more than scouting. I think in, in, in soccer, in general, scouting is the, the, the real life we look at the player. It is recruitment. It was a white paper and, and we had an idea how we want to build the department. Um, that was the good thing because a white paper has also his this uh, it, its advantages because you can build from from zero and you can do the build the structure exactly how you like it and how you want to do it. It's like uh, building a new house instead of buying an old one and then to make it fit to yourself. So um, and it was our clear profile, and we are not the first guys that say that data's are the first step or in, uh, using data in the first step before going to scouting. So we are we are not doing here something innovative that nobody has done before us. But if you look at a, at a few very successful other organizations, then everybody who is looking at that and makes this research will find Brentford and Midtjylland and the company StatsBomb. So it was a wonderful combination. Um, I saw him a few years ago at a convention and I was impressed by by his by his speech there and in and I I think it would be not fair if if uh, um, I would reduce him onto that because um, in the process and I wrote him today exactly today 365 days ago this first email um, because he's much more that I would say that his is his master skill <laughs> 
um, but he has a lot of other skills. He's a guy that um, that is, uh, um, and that's also something where you have to be very careful. Who is not fanatic about daters. He knows how important they are, but it is not like that he he's uh, fanatic. Might not be the right word, but Michael, you will know what I mean. He is not the guy that yeah. says, regardless what my what you say, my daters are right. No, he he also. Uh, asked himself questions and he had his he, there were players in the process where he said i don't understand the data are looking so different than that everybody is saying i look at the player now and then after five hours he said i look now three games i know what it is and and you're right the player the, the data are not right at that point for a special reason and that's that's a that's a that's a, a strength to be very good at data but not to be so passionate for data to cut off that soccer can be different because soccer is so a different, difficult game um, that that data cannot always show everything or will not ever always show everything. But, and that's the reason why we will use data first, a few things are not discussable and a few things are way clear to show in data. And we, we, developed, we de developed for every single outplayer position for all 10, an ideal profile of our player, of the Whitecaps player, for our approach, for our team, for our culture, for our idea and style of game. So from right back, center back, defensive midfielder, offensive midfielder, striker, winger. Um, and and Nico's job was to, to say, okay, if that is the, the skill, if that is um, the key metrics, that is non-discussable. Then, in this, in my data, in in our black box, these are the data that where he has to be good. If he is not good at that, it doesn't fit anyway. And so, uh, so he can provide us of spending a lot of time in looking at players on the field in games that doesn't fit anyway. So, um, and and it helps us also the other way around to go into markets. And to look at players and to say, hey, this player, nobody has offered us this player, but he's playing there in the Colombian League because this was exactly what happened with Daiba. No agent ever contacted me about Daiba. His club never reached out to me about Daiba. It was our scouting guys and recruitment guys that found him, that said he fits exactly to our profile. We should find out what the situation is. And then we reached out to club and player and said, hey, he would be a player we would like to sign. What is your? What are your thoughts about the contractual situation? About numbers? About figures? About the move? The player, of course. Are you open for that? So this wide ups the picture much more than to only the players you get offered all the time. Interesting. I'm sure that's something we'll delve uh, a lot more into in the future. I won't keep you for too much longer. There was a couple of other topics I wanted to to go over, but I'll just we'll just do too quick. Maybe quick. I don't know if this first one can be quick for you. I've got to ask you about the number 10, uh, the search for the number 10, since we're talking about recruitment. How is that progressing? But the main thing I wanted to ask you is, do you feel this player has to be in place for the start of the season? Or are you prepared to wait now a couple of months because the transfer window's been extended now to make sure you get the right guy? Do you think you can start the season without having a, a number 10 in place? Yeah, of course, because uh, otherwise we would put so much pressure on us to maybe sign at the end a okay solution instead a good solution. 
and then that is never good. Um, I, I I describe it always in that way. I I I remember. I think maybe you you for sure you will know that I said when the very first beginning we want to build it step by step with sustainability, and if 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 I speak about that, I mean that our starting point into the season first are the last seven games of the last season, um, because after. After a very good preseason, where where we won a tournament with Portland, Minnesota, and New England, all teams that went to the playoffs, uh, Portland won the MLS's back tournament. We won in the preseason against Columbus, you you know, and Dallas. All the teams went to the playoffs, by the way. So um, after a very good preseason and two, I would say two good games at the beginning, uh, we were over nervous in our first game, but. I, we all remind that we were able to tie the game against Kansas. We didn't because Kava missed a very good chance there. But uh, of course, it was not the game we were hoping for. But if I look back, I think if we look at the metrics, we were we were not that far away of getting a point in that game. And Kansas, we all know, went also far into the playoffs and uh, was obviously a very good team. And and in that game, we not even had all our pieces together. So. Uh, there was not Eric, no Eric Godoy, there was no Bickel, there was no Ranko, there was no Ovuzo. So none of them was there. So then we won against the Galaxy and then we had a huge, huge, huge cut in the season. We went to Orlando's back, we lost Eric Godoy and Bickel for a while and that hurts us a lot. We, Kava was not there, Freddy Montero, Andy Rose, Toss Ricketts. So um, too much players. We didn't we didn't recover from that way well in the Canadian series after that, to be honest. We, we, it took us way long to come back in shape. And I would say the last 12 games, the tw last 12 games, if you look at the last 12 games in Portland, we, our average was already okay. So we had a few bad games, but we had also good, a few good games. So uh, the last seven were where, 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 where we wanted to be last season. So four wins, we conceded seven goals and you know, you followed us one and we conceded three in one games against Seattle where we played with the full second team because we only had two days of rest. So we conceded only four goals in six games. So with, with that said, four wins in, in seven games, uh, conceding seven, a goal in average, you're a team that in any single scenario of the last years in MLS made it to the playoffs. So this is our starting point. Said that everything that comes now has to make us clearly better. Maybe not in the first game because there's a transition area era. So if we sign a way young guy from Colombia, he might be nervous or he has to adapt to things. So it doesn't mean that he will be the winner in the first game. He can, he can, he has all the skills. We looked at him very well, but, but we don't want to put the load on him. And every other piece we are signing now also has to do that. We signed a, we have a draft pick, Egbo, where we're very high on, very, very high on. And, and I have to say, I, uh, if he would not be a foreigner, he would not, never be available as number seven. But we, we decided that he is worth the international spot. Um, Theo Bear was, uh, I just got the confirmation from, from John Hurtman, he was way good in, this, in the camp of the, of the national team. So if, if we are not adding any player today, and everybody is available and we have no injuries. <laughs> we have, we play in the 4-4-2 as we did in the past, in the past seven games. We, we have Ekbo and Theo Bear and Toss Ricketts as the additional striker. We have Diver Casedo as an additional uh, winger. Um, Ali Adnan played very well as a winger in a few games. 
Uh, Guti uh, now was selected for the national team and, and played there also very well. So I would say we will grow. A lot of players are here for one year. A lot of players have adapted better to the league throughout the year. Leo Wuzu became better in the, in the stretch of the last seven games. Bickel was back as the ball winner. So we feel comfortable that we can start well into the season without an additional piece. But don't get me wrong. We want to get additional pieces. But our expectations and every single, single player that we sign now is clear. He has to be better than everything that is there. And what we have there, we say it's, it's a team that goes to the playoffs. So with that said, we are competing for players that are attractive, that other clubs are fighting for. That that you also have sometimes to go and wins. We had a, we had we have and had I think we had a player that wanted to sign with us, but he doesn't want to to leave his family alone. Uh, where we had to explain him now that might happen. So um, we we are fighting for we know we are still speaking with a player um, that is that contract is off at the in in the summer. So I, <laughs> so we we know that everything got leaked, but. Uh, it is. It's. It's not. He has not signed somewhere, and it's not done. So, but I don't want to say that that this this will happen. I only want to say that we have really, really high expectations uh, on the players that are coming, and um, we will not add only a player to have a player. Uh, then, then, then we play. Then we play in the classical four-four-two with two strikers, and and I think then we then we will see how um, if if before the last season. You would, um, uh, if, if you go back in time, and I uh, know we want to do that in a bit, but if you go back in time and, and look at the beginning of last season, who would believe that Dike would have, uh, have su that has such an impact uh, in the season as a draft pick? So uh, why not Ekbo? And <laughs> if Ekbo has the impact of Dike, I, I, it's hard to get <laughs> to find a player that is better to play because somebody has also to go out in every scenario. So uh, uh, I would, I, we, we feel very comfortable that whatever we add is a good player and is a player that, that will help us to be better. Yeah, I'm trying not to get too excited about Egbo. He, he looks a good talent, but we've, we've seen this before with our draft picks here that they haven't maybe quite panned out, but he looks like a phenomenal player and a, a great pickup. So last thing to ask you, the radio deal with, with 1040, obviously 1040 went out of business this week, which I think shocked everyone. I know you maybe can't talk too much about what's in the plans, but do you expect the club to have live games on, on the radio for this coming season? I can tell one thing, and I haven't shared that with anybody, so you are not the first because you are asking the question that we have a, we had and we didn't knew anything about that what happened this week so not that we had an information heads up before nothing like that so we have we created a plan already um in as we were speaking about the new build up of the of the organization and we are as we saw we added all we are adding oh, as i said we are also adding other pieces um we um and we will announce a few of them soon there's also one piece that we will add. It's, it's a club reporter. And our strategic plan is since, since, since uh, mid last year to add this piece to, to deliver content to our fans and to go closer and to have a closer connection to our fans. 
Um, it is, it, we, I'm, I'm really sad and I know a lot of fans are sad that the content uh, at 10.30 uh, uh, is, is not, not longer, doesn't la, la, uh, exist any longer. So because they like this connection. So what the organization planned already and now it is even more important for us and we will be in the position soon to, to, to deliver content, to continue to deliver content. And yes, we are working hard and I'm optimistic that we will find a solution to fill the hole, the gap, do you say, to fill the gap that, that is now there, to fill the gap and that nobody will have less content. No, everybody should have more content in future. That's fantastic. So thank you so much as always for your time, Axel. Hopefully we'll, we'll see you soon and yeah, good luck with trying to sort everything out because that must be an absolute nightmare for you. Yeah, thank you very much. Have a great weekend. That's great. You too. So Axel S there, just chatting all things Whitecaps and uh, a few interesting things to, to unpack from from what he said there, Zach. But before we get into a, a lot of this stuff about the season ahead and just the search for the number 10 and everything like that. Let, let's chat about the, the big Whitecaps news of the week, which was announced on Friday. The recruitment part department is finally set. It's only taken us 11 years to get there in MLS. It's only taken three years, two to three years after MDS took over saying that he wanted this. But now we have a head of recruitment, director of recruitment. He's Dutch. Nikos Overhul. Yeah, who know who knew they were going to bring in someone to finally do an overhaul? Yeah, and his name was over, overhaul. It's fantastic. Overall, I think it's good. It, it's an interesting appointment when you look at some of the other appointments around MLS. There's been a lot of German and Dutch people coming into to MLS clubs. I mean, we've got Axel. We've now got Nikos. Cincinnati's gone down the Dutch route as well. I'm excited about this. I don't know anything about him. I'm not going to pretend that I do. But on paper, doing the research about him, the fact that it has got this kind of analytical side in it, which is really the future of football now, it's an exciting advancement, I feel. Yeah. I, I, I'm still wondering, and maybe I missed this when I was listening to Axel, but still wondering why they've made this public when before they were trying to keep it such a big secret. But um, it's... Uh... Yeah, I mean, you have to have recruitment. Uh, you have to have some form of recruitment that you're comfortable with as a club. And the Whitecaps uh, in the DeSantis era have made a shift from what they were doing for the all the previous all the previous time, right? I think it was Tommy Sowen, and then it was Martin Rennie's contacts, and then it was Carl Robinson's contacts, and uh, uh, both indirectly and directly. And, and now they're trying to set up their own, this is our club way of recruiting. And these are the people who are actually like full-time working for us kind of thing, as opposed to, you know, hire consultants like, uh, you know, Baldwin was. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a step in a new direction. Uh, you hope for them, it'll work out. Uh, when you listen to Axel talk, it's very clear about, uh, I, I like some of the things he said about uh, Nikos uh, in terms of, you know, he he values stats, but not like to yes, not to like uh, that they don't override everything else, right? So they're not going to say, oh, the the stats say this, and we know when you look at look at the player play, you might not care. The stats might not show through, and so it's like 
you know, get over the stats and actually look at what's what's happening, which I know that's your perspective often, Michael, is like stats can be helpful, but as my the eye test is is very, very important. Yeah. Um especially so, when you're making a move to a league like MLS where th- there are so many differences to around the rest of the world, not just in how the clubs are run, the league is run, but just in general with one week you're playing in altitude, the next week you're playing possibly in snow or you're playing on an artificial pitch one week and it, it, it's tough for some players to settle and I think we've seen that with European players and especially UK players over the years in MLS a number of them struggle or they last a season and then they're back home again true so I guess yeah there's I mean there's some promising signs but this is one of those like 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 most new hires at a football club they'll be you know, rightly judged based on their results over the, the the long haul. So we'll see if this if if this uh, direction is one that um, you know brings the results that uh, the organization is looking for. I, I think it it's not going to be instantaneous either, and it's, especially because we still are in the middle of the pandemic. We've still got the issue of how do you attract players to the club when they're not going to be playing in Canada maybe for the whole year. Which brings us on to some of the other stuff that Axel was talking about there. Genuinely, like I, I know it's been tough for the Whitecaps and the other Canadian teams trying to juggle all this and the logistics are a, an absolute nightmare. I mean, that goes without saying. And as Axel said, if anyone doesn't understand that, it's like they're... I, I, I don't know how you can get them to understand it because it is a serious concern but they're not going to use it as an excuse. But when you hear that they're now having to look at maybe moving whole families down to somewhere like Utah, let's just say, for argument's sake, it is Utah, but like to have to move whole families there and to rent condos or houses or something to to shift everyone. Now, you're going to have some families whose kids are at school. You're maybe going to have partners that are out working that don't maybe want to give up their job. They obviously don't have to go. But if you want to keep the family unit together, you obviously want to go. Then there's all the visa restrictions. Then there's all the quarantine restrictions. The fact that we have got all these players that's going to be away on international duty and then can't come back into Canada. Otherwise, they're going to be quarantining and unable to train. So they have to stay down in the US. The disadvantage that the Canadian clubs are under is absolutely massive. And like we've played... Don Garber to kick off the show and we talked a little bit about what he said but it's very disingenuous just sitting there, him saying I really feel for the Canadian clubs and the players and the fans right now yeah I'm sure you do but I also, as was ably demonstrated by your chat, you don't really understand what they're going through and there are ways that you could have helped these clubs out by creating a little Canadian bubble allowing teams to come up and just play games in Canada, to to allow the Canadian teams to kick off the season just playing each other again, which by the sounds of it is not what is going to be happening. So there's things you could have done to make it easier for the Canadian teams, and the league isn't. And I, I just, genuinely, I really feel for everyone connected with the Whitecaps, TFC and Montreal just now. Whenever Gardner talks about Canada... He likes to talk about it's his legacy, you know, improving the game in Canada. 
<laughs> but um, it's really more like that's a byproduct of some other things he does as opposed to what he's really, really, what he's really about, and what the league is really about. Um, and this pan, this pandemic uh, couple of seasons now is showing that is showing that they don't really care. They're not willing to um, try to do some things to put through, you know, the other clubs in the league through some, some things for those, for those sides. And um, yeah, I agree with you. It, it, surely there, there could be some, some other, there should be, there could be some other options with this. Um, the whole, the whole moving families down to the, whether it's Salt Lake or wherever, obviously it sounds like Salt Lake is the, you know, the odds on choice. Yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense when you hear Axel talk about why, because I, yeah. I genuinely was like, that's weird. Yeah. This makes total sense. Um, yeah, it does. It does. He explained And they way. might also have the advantage of having the altitude as well. Yeah. If they, well, assuming if they, they get used to it. If they, assuming they acclimatize, depending how long they're there and all that. But um, yeah, I just don't see that many families moving down. Like I, I see them not wanting to be separated, like players from their families, but like, so I see, I could see some moving down, but I can't see like, like a hundred percent or like, I think, you know, I, I would, I would imagine some of them, some of the one, well, I guess I feel like not a lot of them have been here for a long time. Yeah. So I, they're, I, they're I genuinely think, I think a lot of them would move. What do you think? 75% more? Yeah, I'd I'd say at least seventy five percent. I mean, a lot of the guys, the young guys, so they're single. Yeah. I, you're obviously not moving like mums and dads and and stuff like that. That's the tough thing because they're away from maybe say grandparents. They're away from just their their parents and stuff. So I mean, that is tough. But there is this still the ability to fly back, depending what happens with the quarantine. If they do have to be in a hotel for three days, that's yeah. out the window right away. So they can't yeah. they can't do that. So you could be saying to a young guy, as he said, if they're away with that under twenty three camp, they go away in March. Worst case scenario, they don't return to December. Yeah, that for for anyone to ask them to go through that, especially after a CBA bargaining where you're trying to lock the players out to begin with, it's just it's absolutely terrible. We just have to keep our fingers crossed that things go good. Last thing just to quickly talk about, the number 10 situation. Hmm. I'm actually starting to come around to the idea that we shouldn't rush just to get somebody in as a number 10. I'd rather we do make the right addition. And if that means maybe waiting until June, now that our transfer window has been extended a bit, if it even means waiting until the summer window opens, I would prefer them earlier. But if we can get the quality guy that's going to be here for a number of years and is coming for the right reason and is actually going to be the difference maker, I'm prepared to wait. I don't know how many other fans will be, though. When you've been waiting, you know, what is it, four or five, six years? I mean, what's waiting another another window? <laughs> um, it, yeah. just, it, it doesn't, I mean, r- regardless of, of the situation and the, you know, all the, the things that are going on in the world, it just, this does not sit or not look well for Marcus Santos. And again, I'm not saying that against Marcus Santos. I strongly appreciate Marcus Santos. Uh, I long for Marcus Santos to do well in his career, but um, is this is not like, what is this his fifth window? It's gotta uh, be his fifth. Yeah. Fifth. fifth window and still no, no, no true number 10, um, which he knew was a need all, you know, all along. So, 
it, it that that's not and, and that's not just on Mark DeSantos. Don't make it wrong. <laughs> there are other people yeah. in the organization who need to bear the responsibility for that, but they've bore very little responsibility for other things. So it's highly unlikely to see them bearing the blame for this. Oh um, yeah, because on the one hand you can say there's a pandemic, but they did have that time before the pandemic hit that they could have delivered the the number ten in January, February last year. Oh, totally. So sure, you could say these last two windows have been pandemic windows, but um three the three before that i mean yeah. they, they didn't even they didn't there wasn't a lot of number 10s i remember that they were even linked to then right now i know they're making sure everyone knows they were linked to all these people yeah but um, but some it, of it, them it, seemed the doors still might be open in those it's like right but the, but it's not done right like so i know i think i think axel said right he said he's he's obviously knows that the season might begin without this getting done or it looks like yeah. it or whatever, but. Uh, and MDS know. has talked about that, that if they play four four two, they can maybe get by without having the number 10. The big difference from last season, like Axel's using how they played towards the end of last season, they had Freddie Montero in there. They don't have that option. At least not right now. I mean, who knows? Freddie hasn't signed with Didn't anyone. He move, Didn't he move all his stuff? He has moved, but then the Whitecaps are going to be moving anyway, so. Right. Did he just go down to Seattle? Like the, as far as I know, yeah. 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 But I, I mean, if you look at this, the team just now in a four-four-two, I guess you're looking at Bikel and Owusu as being the midfielders that's going to be sharing, I guess, the six-eight, six-eight-ten roles, and just kind of going back and forward. It might might pan out. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. The other, the other effect from this, right? And we and we have talked about this in the past. Is this is not? I mean, there's so many layers to this thing that they're bringing it in. It's like an onion. Yeah. To do my best Shrek impression. The, the one layer which we've only talked about maybe once or twice before is what does this do for someone like Lucas Cavallini, mm. who needs service, right? And I, you you got to be thinking that him and his people are like. How is how is this organization not getting me someone who's going to be a playmaker, who's going to be able to deliver me quality service? So I just wondered, I wonder that like these are some of the intangible things that are hard to measure and you can't always see. And we might you might not know until after the fact, but it, it, there there's a whole there's a whole big ball of yarn that's wound up in all of this that you it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Well, if you look at what a four four two might be as currently stands, there's questions whether Saicedo may start or not. So if you assume he's maybe going to come off the bench initially, well, actually, maybe not, because it's like, who plays up front? Do you put Egbo in right away beside Cava? Because the, the, there's that as well. Is that your front two? Do you get Egbo kind of bled really early because you're going to have to count him so much? That's... I'd be tempted to do that. Well, that's assuming that he plays ahead of Theo Bear and even even can even uh, Dahomey play through the middle. Well, yeah. See, yeah. you could have Dahomey and Kava up front, um, and then if you did that, that would allow you to have Adnan on the left and maybe Saicedo on the right. But I'm thinking they'll probably go with Dahomey on the right, Adnan on the left, and then Kava and Egbo Bear Toss. One of them, yeah, toss. I was yeah, like, oh, yeah. I know I'm forgetting I mean, someone. Um, toss is more you would think going to be playing a a sub role again. But I mean, if that was your front four, then really you're looking at Bikel 
and either Uwusu or Tiber as your midfield guys. I guess Baldy as well, possibly throw him into the mix. Is there enough creativity there? No. It's <laughs> it's worrying. Yeah. Is that what Gutierrez playing behind Adnan? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I, yeah. I just have a feeling that's how they might start because by all accounts, Guti did really well down with Canada. I liked what I saw from him mm-hmm. last year. You do have the issue that if Guti and Adnan are both away in international duty, who the hell's playing left-back? Well, Russell can play there. Yeah. Well, he could be away in international duty as well. Although sure. maybe not. But as Axel said, you could be looking at 12 guys away on international duty if every single person's called up. And then how do you have an 11-a-side training? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's absolutely crazy because... If you then end up moving the camp down to the US, you can't bring your 19s and under-23 squad down there either. I don't know. It's I don't envy Axel and the guys. I know he offered me a job. Well, he didn't quite offer me a job, but I've taken yeah. it as a job offer. Yeah. Oh, and he said, you should work for me? Or you yeah. should work for me? Yeah. Oh, anyway, that is it from our Whitecaps chat. We're going to be back looking at CONCACAF Champions League and the FIFA Club World Cup. Something I'm sure Zach's going to have a lot to say about. We'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Jake Norinsky, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. I don't like to be told what to do, but sometimes it might Coming useful, so I'm looking for a girl that I can respect and who can point me in the right direction. I think I finally found my answer. Gonna get myself a girlfriend from Atlanta. It turns out I have a thing. For dyed red hair and a lip piercing One of those girls with that sweet southern style Has got to be an anglophile I think I finally found my answer Gonna get myself a girlfriend From Atlanta Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's a familiar voice on the show, friend of the show. Well, friend of David Barnett, who's been on the show. Kind of the same thing, it makes him our friend as well. We have played him a lot in his various guises as lead singer of Art Brute, his Christmas songs that he recorded with Gurr. That was Eddie Argos. Featuring on Boz Boorer's 2014 release, Girl from Atlanta, which you can also find on Boz Boorer's 2016 album, Age of Boom. So why are we playing a song about Atlanta, you might wonder? Well, you should know by now that everything is meticulously planned here at AFTN Towers, so the reason we've dug that song out is Atlanta are one of the teams that took part in this week's draw the 2021 CONCACAF Champions League. 
Now we talked a lot about the upcoming revamped Champions League that's going to kick off in 2023. Really looking forward to that. But for the next two incarnations of it, it's kind of back to what we've had for the last couple of years. So it's a straight knockout round, round of 16, then quarterfinals, semis and a one-legged final this year. The first round ties will be played over two legs, with the first legs scheduled to get played between April 6th and April 8th, and the second legs a week later, April 13th to April 15th. So the 16 teams were drawn into their first round matchups. 17 teams technically, because there's two Canadian teams in the hat for the draw. CPL champs Forge FC and the winner of the MLS Canadian series, Toronto FC, still have to battle it out for the 2020 Voyagers Cup, which is going to be a good warm-up for whichever team ends up progressing into the, the Champions League. And I think there was a, a couple of teams in the hat in this first round that you really wanted to avoid. Costa Rican side, Saprissa, and the main team you really wanted to avoid was the only unseeded Mexican team, Leon. And of course, Sword's Law, the Canadian representative, has been drawn against Leon. Not only that, the winner of that tie then has to go on and face probably Cruz Azul in the quarterfinals. Could be the Haitian side, Arcai, instead, but I think it's probably going to be Cruz Azul. So if Forge or Toronto are going to make a run in this year's competition, they're going to have to do it the hard way. Now, unfortunately, because Canada's representative hadn't been decided, neither Bobby Smyrniotis or Chris Armis were put up to chat to media after the draw. But the other four MLS coaches were, and I jumped on the calls to, to bring you a little bit of audio just on their thoughts of the draw. And the key component of it, which is both of these legs are now going to be getting played before the MLS season actually kicks off. The pushing back of the MLS season by two weeks is definitely hitting these teams hard because they're going to be going into this competition cold. A couple of pre-season friendlies under their belt, I'm sure, but that certainly doesn't make up for their lack of competitive action. And in a number of cases, they're going to be playing teams that are halfway through their season or towards the end of their, their actual regular season. So what did the draw throw up for the MLS sides? Well, let's kick things off with Atlanta, since we kicked this part off with a song about Atlanta. And Atlanta in this year's competitions as a result of winning the 2019 US Open Cup. And they've certainly got a, a tough draw on their hands, travelling to Costa Rica to play Alajuense, the side that just won the 2020 CONCACAF League just a couple of weeks ago in a cracking game, funnily enough, against Saprissa. Now that's a tie that is certainly shaping up to be one of the best of the first round. Already looking forward to, to seeing that one. So I'm just going to bring you a little bit of audio now from Atlanta's technical director and vice president, Carlos Bocanegra, just chatting about the, the draw and the, the difficulties that his side and all the MLS teams now face in trying to get ready for these games in a short period of time without any real competitive games under their belt. Uh, hi there, Carlos. Just again talking about the, the start to the MLS season, these games are going to be played before you're up and running, before you've had a chance to to really get a, a proper match fitness. 
What's the plans for pre-season for you to get this team up to the level that you need to be? Are you hoping to play quite a few friendlies by, by that point? Yeah, thanks for the question. So it's, it's always a challenge, um, especially when the tournament starts in February. Uh, a lot of the other leagues around the world or, or, or in our part of the world are playing already. So, um, you know, the, the, the idea for us is to, we're going to probably stay regional for preseason. Um, and yes, we will uh, try and play friendly games uh, beforehand leading into to the game. So that's not our first competitive game per se, but um, same challenge uh, a lot of the other teams have here. Uh, you know, I know Costa Rica's played played some games. I think they've played five games already in their season. So um, by the time we kick off, you know, they'll have eight, nine, ten under their belt. Um, so that's something we've got to get up to speed, um, but always a challenge for for the MLS teams coming into this tournament. Um, is there an advantage to y'all having already gone to Costa Rica two years ago to play in the Champions League in terms of logistics and just kind of uh, lack of things to worry about? And do you know yet if the game, the return leg is going to be at Mercedes-Benz? So I'm not sure um, about the location of the second game, but I will say um, as far as experience in the Champions League, I think we're fortunate this is our third year running. Um, so wherever you go, whether it's Costa Rica, Honduras, Central America, Mexico, um, you know, the guys have had some experience in that, and, and that's very important. So we'll lean on the veterans uh, who have been there. Uh, you, you lean on the guys that have uh, played in term, tournament formats, uh, but it's definitely helpful to have that experience of, of playing uh, in Central America before going down there. Atlanta United Technical Director and Vice President Carlos Bocanegra there just chatting about his side's draw in the Champions League and a tough draw it is as well as is the draw for last year's Supporters Shield winners Philadelphia Union who have the other Costa Rican side the CONCACAF League runners-up Saprissa definitely a, a difficult tie for the Union there they do have the advantage, as do all the MLS teams, of being at home in the second leg. But they are going to be facing a Saprissa side that's well into their season there. Features a number of experienced MLS players, including a couple of former Whitecaps in Kendall Waston and Christian Bellanius. But if you're going to do well in this competition, you've got to beat the best along the way. So let's just bring you a little bit of audio now. I've got a chance to chat with Philadelphia Union head coach Jim Curtin after the draw. Let's hear what he had to say. Hi there, Jim. Hello. You know what the, the draw is now? It's probably one of the, the toughest draws you could, could have got in this first round with, with Saprissa. Looking at the fact that they're right in the middle of their season, they've been playing regularly, the MLS season's now been, been pushed back a couple of weeks. How difficult do you feel it's going to be for your guys to get at the level you need right off the bat? And does this change your preseason plans at all? Yeah, um, a lot of good questions in there and, and a lot of truth in there. Um, you know, having just watched the Priests play in a, a final against Aluanese, uh, there is the advantage of, of getting to scout them and see them. And, and there's some familiarity because there are some you know, former MLS, very talented players on their roster. Um, you know, in terms of our preparation, obviously it's been a unique time for everybody. We've had to adapt and adjust just like the rest of the world. Um, but I'm very confident with our preparation. Uh, you know, uh, guys have been working very hard this offseason to get ready for Champions League. 
Um, as you said, uh, one of the toughest teams, obviously, in pot two was Saprissa, a team with a ton of, of history in Costa Rica, uh, an intimidating atmosphere to play in. But also, um, this is the challenge our club wanted, you know, as we take the next step and 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 we're Supporter Shield champions and we want to grow our club and move it forward. I think the experience of playing in, in a hostile environment against a very good team in Saprissa um, will only make us us better. Um, and, and make no mistake about it, when we enter this competition, just like everybody else, to, with the goal of winning it. Uh, CONCACAF has grown so much. There's so many great, talented players. Um, we really look forward to this opportunity. Um, but certainly, you know, the, the long layoff, the things like climate, the travel, um, we have all that uh, getting in order now. Um, we're already... Uh, had some work done on, on scouting Saprissa, a very good team, and now that will get um, even more dialed in uh, now that we know that they are our opponents. So big challenge ahead of us for sure, um, but it's a challenge we embrace. And, and you know, like our team has always been, uh, we're a young group, but we're a fearless group. This is a, a tournament that I think a lot of people in North America maybe don't give it the respect that, that they should have over the years. Yeah. With Tigris now making it into the, the World Cup, well, the Club World Cup final tomorrow, do you feel that's going to raise the profile a little bit for the tournament in North America? And, and what does it mean to you personally? I think so. Uh, for your, your, your question is, is very accurate. Uh, I think that there has to be more awareness, in particular in the, in the USA, with how important this, this competition is. Uh, I think it can grow more on the, the global stage. Um, there is so much talent in the CONCACAF region. Uh, you look around now and, and so many players are playing uh, internationally uh, at top clubs in the world uh, and representing CONCACAF in a big way. Uh, specifically, MLS has grown exponentially since I've, I've been a part of it. Um, and now to have Tigres play against the Bayern Munich, where, let's be honest, that's the best team in the world uh, at the moment. Um, you'll see tomorrow a game where there'll be moments where Tigres goes at them. I, I, can, I can say that with confidence because I know how good uh, the teams are in Liga MX. So um, I, I do think as time goes on uh, and people recognize uh, CONCACAF teams can play with anybody uh, you know, I, I think that will only raise the status and the profile of what already is a special competition. Um, I can remember back to my playing days and, 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 and even as a player, uh, not even having the awareness of how important and significant it was to go to Guatemala, to go to Costa Rica and play in the Champions League games. I played in Trinidad and those experiences um, only make players stronger. Uh, as coaches, as players, uh, you want to play against the best and that's what this competition brings out. Uh, it, you're challenging yourself against the best teams in your region. Um, and ultimately, I, I do believe that CONCACAF uh, will have a say on, on the world stage, just like uh, Tigres has an opportunity to do something special tomorrow. Philadelphia Union head coach Jim Curtin there, just chatting about his side's tough draw against Saprissa in the CONCACAF Champions League. Always enjoy speaking to Jim Curtin. He's one of my, my favourite coaches in MLS to chat to. Just always super friendly, super forthcoming with his answers. And it makes me want to go on a, a lot more Philadelphia calls this year, which I'm going to try and do for all the teams around the league, just to bring you a little bit of extra coverage. And the union will be right up there, especially if they do sign their rumoured Scottish guy that Stuart Finlay, the centre-back, that they're... Apparently looking at from Kilmarnock. Don't think it'll take over Johnny Russell in my affections, but you, you never know. 
So that's the opponents for two of the American MLS teams covered there. So what of the fate of the Whitecaps' lower Cascadia rivals, the Portland Timbers? In the competition as a result of winning the MLS's back tournament last summer, and the Timbers face a, a tricky trip to Honduras to take on Marathon in the competition as a result of how they played in the CONCACAF League. will definitely pose a test to Portland and, and we've seen Marathon and Olympia pull off a, a couple of shocks in the competition before. What does Timbers head coach Gio Savarese make of the draw? And what does the competition mean to him? Well, I asked him just that after Wednesday's draw. Hi there, Gio. Uh, looking at the, the fixtures, obviously the MLS season has been pushed back now by a couple of weeks. A quick look at Marathon's fixtures, it looks like they're going to have maybe eight games between now and the time that you play them. How difficult is it going to be for your guys to get up to speed, get to the level that you need to be? And does that mean you're maybe going to have to line up a few more sort of pre-season friendlies than you'd originally planned? It's not an ideal situation because we wish that we would have started already preparing for uh, the competition. And we know that the teams uh, in Central America, Mexico, have been able to initiate already the, the, their games, as you mentioned before. So we understand that they are ahead of us in, in the preparation. But if we learn something in 2020 is that we need to be strong and we have to be able to um, take the adversity with a very positive mindset. And uh, one thing that I know about my locker room and, and the players is that uh, they are very strong in their belief that uh, we need to work very hard to make sure that we arrive to this match the best possible way. So I believe in, in our players, even though definitely there is a disadvantage in, in regards of the preparation that some of the teams already have, you know, in, in confront to MLS teams. The, the competition in North America, it's maybe not had the respect it's deserved over the years from fans, media, some teams maybe even as well. Seeing Tigris though in a Club World Cup final, can you maybe speak a little bit about what this competition means to you and, and means to the club just in general? Yeah, I, I, think, I think that the respect... Uh, for what we are doing in the United States is growing. I think what CONCACAF is showing, especially with now Tigris, as you mentioned, being able to reach the final. Um, and now we'll see what's going to happen against Bayern Munich. Is also um, showing that there's progress, that uh, this region, this conference is, is competing in, and is showing uh, that... Uh, everything that participates has the hope that they can make it all the way to represent also this, this this conference in the best scenario as Tigres is doing right now. So for us, is we have the responsibility to try to do as best as we can to show that soccer in the United States is growing and continues to grow to make sure that we continue to um, push everyone to have this credibility of, of what we're doing here in the United States but also with the hope that we can represent CONCACAF and now show, and show the same thing in the international level and make history in being the first team to win the CONCACAF Champions. It's not going to be easy, but this is what we strive for and we work very hard for. 
but uh, I do know that uh, the, the the respect and and the belief in, in what is happening in the United States and CONCACAF is real around the world. And, and that's why we see more players coming in this region. And we see teams from this region being able to compete as well as they have been doing in the, in the past few years, especially, as I said before, with Tigers right now in the, in the, the club uh, FIFA World Cup. Portland Timbers head coach Gio Savarese there talking all things CONCACAF Champions League. So that just leaves the final American team to tell you who they got. And it's only the MLS Cup champs himself, Columbus Crew, led by a man that knows the competition very well, Caleb Porter. And it's always risky to, to kind of say that any tie in this competition is easy, but they've got one of the easier draws I think that they could have got, facing Nicaraguan side Real Esteli. Another team that qualified via the, the CONCACAF League. I didn't get a chance to, to ask Caleb Porter anything uh, about the draw or the competition, but I will play a little bit of audio just with, with his thoughts on the draw, the competition, and what it means to him personally, and also to the club as MLS champs. First of all, we're, we're very excited to have the opportunity to play uh, in this continental tournament that uh, has gained prestige uh, and notoriety more and more over the years. Certainly we're well aware that no MLS team has ever won um, the CONCACAF the Champions League. So that will serve as a great source of motivation. Obviously it's been, uh, I believe 10 years uh, since the last time the Columbus Crew, our club, has been in this competition. Uh, I've been in it three times, two with Portland in 2014 and 2016. So I know very well how it can help your team develop, offer great experiences for growth and learning. And, uh, and yet it's a challenge, a, a real challenge uh, to, to face the level of competition that we'll face, to manage, obviously, the compacted season uh, with, with our regular season fixtures. Obviously, in this case, to play our first match uh, right out of the gate in a new season uh, in this competition uh, with what looks like, looks to be a shortened runway. Um, so uh, we're excited, but obviously we're um, well aware of the challenges um, that we'll face on the road to to the final and trying to win this this competition. Uh, it is important to us and we'll be approaching it seriously. Uh, but uh, I know very well, having been in the competition before, that um, there are a lot of challenges. And what, what we can't do is start the season, regular season, um, the wrong way because we're throwing so much into uh, this competition. So we have to attack the league and these games um, in the right way in both competitions. Uh, fortunately, we have a very good roster that will help, which is why we work so hard to build that roster. So that's a draw broken down for you. Some cracking games to, to look forward to there. I believe all of them are going to be on TSN. So a reminder, it's going to take place over the, the first two weeks of April, just after Easter. 
So some exciting times are ahead in the upcoming CONCACAF Champions League. And as I mentioned there, Zach, the, the Canadian teams, plural, because we're still waiting for the final. It's a tough draw getting Leon in that first round. And then if they advance, they've got Cruz Azul. But it's exciting. I mean, the possibility, if Forge can get past TFC, and I know it's a big if, but you never know, stranger things have happened. To then have the chance of taking on like a Mexican team, it's great for CPL. But I'm just I'm looking forward to the competition. I love the competition, and there's some really exciting matchups uh, in that first round coming up. I think just first off about the competition, just for me personally, you know you know how much I appreciate the competition based on the fact that I'm, we've I've made I've been helped I've helped make Tifo for games where there was nine thousand people in the state. Yeah. Um, I like I value it. I highly value it. Um, I think it's I think it's awesome. Uh, it's fun. One of them, I wasn't planning to talk about this, but one of my craziest experiences I think was the whole um, Romel Kyoto incident, where Paulo mm-hmm. Tornagi, you know, crashes into him. He's stuck in hospital in Vancouver. Uh, someone calls me up and says, "Hey, I know you're a pastor. You want to come visit him in hospital? That's what you, one of the things you do." I'm like, "Sure." So I go and visit him, Paulo. Uh, Paulo's there and we just hang out and yeah um I mean it was interesting um and then he signed for Montreal then he signed for Houston Houston, but oh yeah um, but no um no I I really value I really really value the competition and uh it's 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 exciting and I've enjoyed those games like I've said even when this the stadium isn't as full and um but I've found it very meaningful um in terms of uh the, the Voyager's Cup final for 2020 happening in 2021 now that now that david edgar is no longer on forge um no i'm joking uh i mean it's ironic because the last time a couple times they've been in finals i've been cheering against them with david edgar and i only felt okay with them winning because of david edgar this time i wouldn't i wouldn't mind he's not there and i wouldn't mind if they actually won um but it's obviously looking highly unlikely that they're they're going to be able to to beat tfc unless something happens with you know uh tfc oh i guess tfc is likely to have all their players and get ready it's more yeah more likely that it'll be an issue for ford but then it, it could catch them cold because it's likely to be well it's going to be their first competitive game but i mean how who knows how many even friendlies or stuff that they have done by then so exactly it's all yeah no obviously i think i think the rest of the country the non-tfc fans in the country would, would be happy to see forge win uh, maybe a few CPL fans wouldn't be happy for that, but um, but no. So it, yeah, it, it, that's exciting. And then they play Leon for Mexico, which mm. I think no matter who makes that, obviously is going to be a, a, a tough challenge, a difficult uh, difficult time. Whenever you play a Mexican side, uh, I mean, there's these vast disparities, you know, on and off the pitch, um, you know, from just the the history of the the clubs and the culture and all that kind of stuff to the amount. Uh, spent on the on the squads uh, and what that enables them to do both with their starting lineups and with uh, you know the the depths and the quality of their benches. But again, it's exciting. Uh, I can't remember if any Canadian team has played Leon. Do you do you remember? I I don't remember. Uh, if they have. I don't think so, but can't be hundred percent certain. There's two tough ties in that first round: Leon or Saprissa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like you, you get the toughest of the two, which which is Leon. Yeah. But, 
it's, it's going to be like if it's forged, it's it's just going to be wonderful. What happens and where they have to play it, of course, is the, yeah. the other thing they're going to have to probably really keep to the to the US to do that. But I mean, I, as as I spoke to to Geo and to Jim Curtin about there, just the competition, I I love it as well, and I I think. I think it will grow in the consciousness of the North American soccer public. And the fact that we have the Club World Cup now, Tigres getting to the final this week is going to have helped grow a, a lot of the attention of that as well. You, you would have had the farcical thing, though, if Tigres had won that, they then wouldn't be in the next CONCACAF Champions League because they didn't qualify for it, which is something they really, really need to remedy. Yeah, especially... Now is an opportunity for them to do that with all this, uh, you know, the new structure coming in and whatever is a year or two or whatever. And so two years, yeah, yeah, two years. So it's something that they they could have planned for. Um, it would have maybe been nice for them to have planned for. I think also, um, I mean, we'll talk about this more in a minute. But I think even the con- the World Club Cup is that something they could even ponder doing. But um, yeah, it's it's really that was the one thing when because I, I totally forgot about it when I saw the when I saw the draw and stuff. I was just like, wait, Tigres, Tigres isn't there? Yeah, I was the same. Um, so, yeah, it, it's going to be kind of awkward um, for them to um, have done so well, won the CONCACAF Champions League, made it to the World Club Cup final, and now um, they're not a part of the, the next one. It's it's a little bit of, a little bit awkward. I mean, I... I... I didn't see all the games from the, the Club World Cup the, this year. I'm excited at the prospect. I take it we'll get to host that before the World Cup in 2026 as one of the the kind of test events. I say we as in North America, but yeah, I'm I'm not sure that's how. It, yeah, I don't know. Is was that techn- was that part of the Qatar deal? I'm not sure. I, I think it, it might be because it always was the Confederations Cup got well, yeah, held it, in the country as a test event for it. Which so I was taking it that this might be the new test event. Well, I know the next one's supposed to be in Japan, if I remember it right correctly. Yeah, um, but I'm, one... I'm thinking the year before a World Cup, they might have it in the country that's hosting the yeah. the World Cup. I mean, and if it, it, may, if and, it is made tremendous. And for the North American one, maybe put it in the country where they need the most work at logistics for big sporting events, or hmm. you know, that was the one that hasn't had these big things before. That would be nice. Um, Club World Cup final at BC Place. Bayern Munich against East Fife. Oh, it's it's oh, in the stars. My goodness. We, we'd have we, to we might need a bit of investment uh, at East Fife to, to get there within the next three <laughs> years, but <laughs> it'd be quite a big bit of investment. No, I, I, on the opposite end of you, I, or not the, totally opposite end, but I did, I watched every game at the Club World Cup. Uh, not live, uh, obviously, but um, thanks to the PVR, I got to watch lots of them, or sorry, all of them. And uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, there, I mean, there's all these things. Obviously, the pandemic. There's the the travel, the quarantine, the losing players to the pandemic, uh, losing players for other reasons, players not being able to go. There was all there was all kinds of different things going on. There was massive upsets. There were shootouts. There yeah. was, you know, uh, firsts. There was all this kind of stuff. Um, uh, so yeah, I was it was really enjoyed. I mean, the, the one of the mo- the biggest down points I think for me was the. Was it Auckland City or whatever the the, the Oceana? Yeah, they couldn't go. Yeah, not being able to get there because of the their regulations and stuff. Which respect to the you know 
I think it's New Zealand has done a great job. Oh right, yeah, of uh, keeping their citizens and country safe from the from the from the virus. So you can't. I'm not I'm not critiquing that at all. But I just feel bad for the club and their supporters because they. Well, I mean, they and on the other side of it, I guess they've been mainstays at the Club World Cup, so it's not like they've never experienced it before. But um, they've had some good moments. But um, yeah, missed. That was one of the big down points. Obviously, I think the next biggest down point in the whole thing was was the performance of of Palmeiras. Uh, oh yeah, who were not you know not at not at the race. They were, <laughs> the they were quite cocky going into at least Brazilian media wear <laughs> as to what they were going to be doing and what they're going to get revenge on the Germans and all that kind of stuff. And then then they lose and finish fourth. Yeah, and you had the like, you had the the was it the black hawk? Oh, no, the, the red hawks, the red, the red something versus the red devils, and then you had the tigers versus the tigers, and it was just some unique matchups. And the games weren't, yeah. I mean, the, the games weren't all amazing, but um, there were I don't know. I found you know parts of every game there was something intriguing about every game and every matchup. Uh, and and I love it because it's straight knockout, which yeah, yeah. That, that's what turns me off of the. The UEFA Champions League early on because I can't be bothered with the group stage. I just like y- y- your straight knockout. Yeah, I'm a little. I mean, it's a little sad that the Champions League is returning to normal this year because the the tournament in Lisbon. I know it was because of the pandemic, but it was it was fantastic. Oh yeah, the one, that's, the, that's the best I've enjoyed the Champions League. Yeah, for the one leg games. Time. I know there were neutral venues and empty and all that, but they were they were something else. Though, some of those games, man. The team like teams knew they couldn't. Be like, oh yeah, we just need to hold them today, and we'll get them in two weeks. It was like, it was like uh, full effort, like full stop. Those games were like incredible. Um, yeah, so the FIFA Club World Cup uh, it wasn't quite, wasn't quite like that, but ultimately for me personally, I'm just happy that uh, the 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 best team won. Yeah, well, um, let, let's let's get to that yeah. because, like. I want to be like serious. I know I make lots of jokes about you being a Bayern fan and stuff. And I've been kind of thinking back just to games and teams and stuff that I remember. Now, Bayern obviously made it six trophies holding at the same time, which is phenomenal. And I've been trying... Only the second time it's ever happened. Who was the other team? Barcelona 2009. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did read that. Because and I think they, I think they might have only had five trophies then because I don't I don't know if, I don't know if they had a Spanish Super Cup or not. But don't quote me on that. I'll have to look that up. I've been racking my brains as to whether Bayern really are that like this current Bayern team, whether that's the best club team ever, and it's hard to gauge because how far back do you go? And it's like football was different back then, different kind of competitions and quality and. I mean, you're looking at the at the Barcelona team, and that might be the the only team really that could rival them. I mean, everyone always talks about Busby Babes in terms of quality and stuff going to the fifties and and things, but they never maybe reached a pinnacle because of the the Munich Air disaster and, and stuff like that. Which was this was wasn't it the the, the anniversary like a week? Yeah, ago? I, yeah. Fif- 50 60 years or something it was yeah because um, byron always goes to the, the there's a there's like a memorial and byron always is a part of um the gathering and the you know the laying of flowers and remembering and yeah but i mean this buying team and like we were we were chatting just through through the week uh about the the game and well i mean first of all i i, I wanted tigris to win 
I know Fonzie was on Bayern, but I I wanted the underdogs because I like the underdogs. If if folk were seeing the video stream of this just now, the look of disgust on on Zach's face. Obviously, I wanted Fonzie to win, but I did want Tigris as the underdogs. But it was like, a dominant performance. It's like you didn't want Forge to win, but you're happy for David Edgar. Yes, exactly like that. <laughs> but I mean, it was dominant by by Bayern, really. I was gutted for them, even though I didn't want them to win. I was gutted for them that they couldn't fully celebrate the winning goal because of the whole VAR situation. It's just, it's horrible. You can't celebrate a goal anymore because you don't want to suddenly be celebrating and then it's chalked off. And like as fans, it's terrible. As a player, the emotions that must go through you, it's like, I don't know, should I celebrate? I don't want to look a complete dick by celebrating and then it gets chalked off. Uh, it was an interesting one because this goal had been disallowed and then VAR gave it and it's usually the opposite. Yeah. So well, it was just well, lots of weird emotions. Well, and the thing was, you're right, they had the exact opposite things happen in the game. They scored a goal, celebrated it. Yeah. Like, really, so, like, you know, Joshua Kimmich, so happy, you know, the just a, an awesome celebration, a good shot of him, you know, enjoying the moment. And then it's called, you know, Probably, I felt it was a little bit harsh, but probably rightly called back. I and thought it was harsh as well. I've got to say, yeah. And then, uh, and then uh, Pavard scores, and the linesman's flag is up. And I thought for sure, I was like, oh, that's not a goal. <laughs> and then it's and then it's given. And yeah, I, I mean, the biggest disappointment. I mean, you going. I want to go back to what you said about the best team for yeah. me because. Because I think there's a couple different ways to look at, you know, best team. I think you can talk – I think there's a, a good uh, – for this Bayern team, I think there's a conversation about best season for sure or best best year or – Yeah, year, best year. year I year think it's going to take some going. Yeah. I think I think that that's um, totally fine to have that conversation with them. But when you're talking about best team, I think there's got to be more of like a – there's got to be – it's a little bit more uh, uh, over a number of years, like kind of – that like they used to talk, I don't know, we used to talk about North American sports, you know, the dynasty, you know, the team that wins like three, four, five times in a row. Now, obviously in Germany, Byron has that on, on, on pretty much on lockdown. Yeah. Um, which is another conversation we won't get into right now. It's but, enough lockdown um, talk. We don't want any more lockdown talk. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but no, I mean, I, I, I'm as much as I think they've had the best or, arguably the best ever you know campaign over the last year or so um i think that uh there are definitely teams that over a longer stretch you it's hard to argue with what what, what they've accomplished and so you know time time will tell to see what happens the, the team's in some there's some pretty significant transition happening uh and so, and they just came out of a pretty significant transition, any like already. So they're 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 kind of rebuilding with younger players while having some older established players. And and it's almost like the middle of the road guys are not they're not like the peak players. They're not like the hmm. the massive the massive players. It's either like their older guys are awesome, like Lewandowski and Neuer, or their younger players like you know uh, Alfonso Davies or. Uh, you know, like a Jamal Musial or some of these, some of these, those kind of, those kind of age kind of players. I guess they do have like Kimmich is in the middle there, and Goretzka who was out because of Corona is in the middle there. Uh, but anyways, um, so they're going through some different things. I was disappointed a little bit in that they're they're in a run right now, not just 
in regards to this tournament, but in general where they're not, they're dominant in terms of possession and controlling the game and stuff, but they're not dominant in terms of their finishing and their defending this season has been really, really, really poor. Um, and so uh, the first game against Al-Ali, um, you know, it was a comfortable 2-0 win and Al-Ali didn't have great chances, but again, they didn't kill the game the way they would have like, you know, uh, six months ago, or you know, definitely like they did in the Champions League tournament in the in the in the in August or whatever, um, or even last year in the Bundesliga, they would like just kill a game off and like be up three nil at the half, and then it would be like, okay, let's just you know score a couple goals and not get anyone injured and and you know try some things in the second half kind of thing. Um, so it was really really disappointing. And this, the final was the same thing. They scored that early goal, it gets called back, and then there's nothing you know nothing else comes. And it's this kind of nervy thing when they were, again, they dominated the game. Uh, Tigers had like, I think three shots in the whole game, one on target. And none of them, I would say were, you know, they weren't really troubled. And so Bayern's right in the moment. Yes. They're the the best club in the world. Um, but they're, they're in a bit of a difficult moment. Now, obviously they were missing. Goretzka didn't travel because of coronavirus. Uh, Javi Martinez didn't travel because of coronavirus. Jerome Boateng had to leave in the middle of the tournament after the first game, because his, uh, his ex girlfriend partner, uh, passed away. Yeah. I didn't know that until you told me that. And I was like, Oh, wow. So that happened. Uh, and then like the morning of the final, uh, Thomas Muller test positive for coronavirus, which is a massive thing. The way his role since Hansi Flick took over last uh, November, 2019 has been just like a massive, like the number of assists and the goals and, it's been huge. So there was all these different things that, you know, and even, even in the game, the game, I said to a, a friend who I was following the game with, I was like, this feels a little bit too much like 99, you know, we we're up, we're up a goal. We have, we hit a couple cross like post and crossbar kind of thing. And it just feels, and then, and then Hansi Flick, because think about the Bundesliga and the Champions League coming up and feeling, I guess, confident the subs they made. I was just mm. like, what is, I was just like, man, like I, I, I trust. had quality. I know they hadn't been in the match yeah, much, I, but exactly. I trusted the guys coming on, but I was just like, look, if something happens, if there's a mistake, if there's a gaff, like, I mean, this this could go to extra time, this could go to penalties, and you've just taken off like all four of your front. You think all front four all came off, and I was just like, oh man. Um, but in the end, it was Tigers who almost had the gaff with a, an almost spectacular own goal, and and Byron won, and Alfonso Davies. If you didn't watch the game and you're able to. Go and watch the first half. Alfonso Davies was the man of the match in the first half. Again, Colin Miller doesn't award those kind of things, but Alfonso Davies was the, the best player, in my my unbiased opinion, in the first half. Yeah. The four well, or five They let him take made, the trophy around the pitch, so they obviously his teammates thought oh, about the impact that he made yeah. as well. Four or five massive runs that he made uh, and chances he uh, helped create were, mm-hmm. were, were huge. Um, and so he looks like hopefully his form is picking up from, you know, his, his return from his, his injury. But um, so happy for him. Like, it's so hard not yeah. to Let, Yeah, let's talk, just round this off by talking about Fonzie. It's like, with what he's achieved just that since moving there, and it's like we've talked about this on the show before, it's hard for Bayern and it's hard for Fonzie now because the only way is down. When you've had a season like this where you've delivered so many trophies... It's only down after that because you can't stay at that level season after season. Yeah. So he's going to not have as many highs probably going forward. 
But with what he's achieved in the short period of time and the actual contribution that he's made to it as well, absolutely phenomenal. I I think it exceeds what I expected of him. Drastically. Oh. Big time oh, when, he, yeah. when he went there. He He's the same. Like, I was one of the people who said he should get loaned out and he should not expect to get in the team within the first year or two or three even. And, I mean, circumstance and his own ability and his own hard work and his own attitude have seen seen him uh, be able to, uh, you know, fight for a place in the team. Excuse me, fight for a place in the team where he's making massive contributions and where the you know the situation that got him into the team was a, a whole bunch of injuries and stuff at center back which moved Alaba from left back to center back which he can which he ha- can play but had never played as consistently as he had that moved him over there Alfonso took left back and now uh, David Alaba is leaving is going to be leaving the club unfortunately this summer like it would uh, he's probably going to go to Real or Chelsea is what all the mm. talk is right now and Bayern is okay at left back like they're com- like they're they're comfortable, uh, they're happy with where they're at. Um, I mean, and it was fun to see David Alaba actually play in midfield because of the injuries in the, in, this, in this in the final. I loved it, and I hope they do that more for his remaining time at the club. But um, yeah, and then when you look at like you see all these, I don't know if you've seen these graphics come out, Michael, of like the highest valued left back in the world, and Fon- yeah. Alfonso's there at like eighty to hundred million euros. It's like it's crazy. It's like Byron, Byron, like again, is laughing all the way to the bank because their investment has, you know, come good ten. Well, yeah, off if the they pitch, if they the sell pitch, him on, the White Caps will be laughing all the way to the bank with their sell-on clause that they've got as well. Maybe. Yeah. Do we know how much that's for? No, but let's hope it's it's good. Yeah. So, <laughs> the other the other 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 things from I don't think from, they'll sell many time. No, I hope not. Anyway, it, it would take a lot to to price him away from them. I would imagine. The other there, one thing, there are clubs that's got that kind of silly money, though. Oh yeah. The one last thing about about Bayern, Bayern's run that they're on, Coach Hansi Flick, who's been in the role for roughly sixteen months as head as head coach, uh, these he has six trophies, Michael, which is more than the number of losses he has in competitive matches. Oh wow! Which is unbelievable. And and just wow. to say one other thing, you're talking about there's only only way down, or only way for them to go now is down. Is they've had at least one hiccup already. And that is they're out of oh, the cup, yes. so they they will not retain the cup. They will not win six trophies next year, or in the next you know run of, run of run of run of things uh, the next cycle. But uh, hopefully that uh, keeps them focused on those. I mean the other the other two that they have in terms of the league and the Champions League right now. Yeah, absolutely fantastic year and a bit from Bayern. It, it almost rivals East Fife's three trophy hall in the 1947-48 season where they they won the B Division Cup, the Supplementary Cup and the Scottish League Cup as a second tier team. So I I think that gets double value because they were yeah. a second tier team. What do you refer to that team as? The best East Fife team ever. Oh, okay. The, the hey, team sorry, I really I'm, wish I'd seen. I, I'm sorry, I'm just seeing here in the rundown right now you say quick bit on club <laughs> Yeah, that that was to try and rein you in. I knew it wasn't going to be quick. But but we're we're finished talking about it now. We've got one more part to go. We're going to be back with that. Looking at a loss in the Vancouver sports market this week as Team 1040 shut down. And we'll be back chatting about that after this. Hi, I'm Alfonso Davies and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it, it seemed apt as this was the, the last part of this week's show. It's a song called Epilogue by Fife Band, a Fife Band that I used to manage, Angels of Lust, from their hit Smash the Cosmos EP. I think, I think we sold double figures. I think it was that that good a good a more than more than friends and family. No, just just friends and family. A fun fact about that song: it's got a line in it. Please separate me from my head. Now, the lead singer of the band, my my good friend Danny, he had some substance issues. We we could say his idea one night was he wanted to be playing that song live and when it got to the bit separate me from my head he wanted me to come in with a chainsaw and actually cut his head off so that he would die for his art on stage i i poo-pooed that idea for fear of prison but yeah it was an interesting time different times zach different times is that like during the era when people used to like bite the heads off bats on stage it was the 90s. I don't know. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, t- t- talking of which, just before we recorded this tonight, I watched Captain Marvel. Oh! Which, which of course, Captain Marvel goes back to the 90s. And I, I'm sitting watching it going, oh, this takes me back. Happy days, the 90s and all that. And Kate's like, wow, back then, she said something. I was like, what do you mean back then? That's like, it just feels like yesterday to me, not back then. It, same here. The good old days. Yeah. They used the soundtrack for for that was fantastic. Oh yeah, there's some Nirvana on there. Yeah, yeah. So we've and Elastica. We've watched the first two Marvel now, so we're trying to do one every weekend nice. just to catch up. Loving it, really, really enjoying it. Usually I do Fridays, but earlier earlier tonight I did. Uh, I'm on the seventh film. If you watch them chronologically, um, according to the uh, the MCU timeline from yes, Geek that that's what we're doing. Yeah, I watched seventh film. So we're actually watched the Avengers tonight. So oh. me and about me and nine other people were on uh, Netflix and Teleparty watching together. It was good times. Yeah, I'm looking forward to to get into the Avengers stuff from from everything that I've been watching so far. And I, I think I'm kind of benefiting from the fact that I'm now watching it so late in chronological order because it's yeah. meaning a lot more and it's not going to be as confusing. And I'm loving it. I do wish I'd started watching these a while ago, but I'm liking how we're getting to do yeah. this now. Well, and there's because there's so much there. Have you you didn't watch Agent Carter, right? No, but I, I I've really liked I liked Agent Carter in Captain America, so I'd like to check that out as well. Sometimes you should watch that. But are you are you also watching WandaVision? Yes, loving WandaVision. Are you are you have you watched episode six? Yes. Okay, cool. Absolutely yeah, tremendous. Episode four is still I think my favorite so far, but uh, it's been it's really exciting and it's setting up phase four of the mcu in so many ways and yeah it's really this surely has to win some awards like emmys or golden globes or something it's just it's so clever just how they yeah i guess i'll have to wait till next year though because it's uh yeah i guess just a lot of the pastiches of some of the classic comedies and stuff as well like malcolm in the middle this week and like bewitched and stuff going way back i've absolutely loved it yeah Yeah, it's been great stuff but I, i guess you're not really tuning into this to listen to us do marvel talk that'll be for our, our marvel podcast when we bring out the aftn radio station which i feel there could be a market for now because there is 
a gap in the market, at least in sports radio, because in this part we're going to talk about the demise of TSN 1040, Team 1040 as some folk will know it from back in the day, bit of a, a shocker, primarily because their shows were all the ratings leaders yeah. between them and Sportsnet 650. But the way it was shut down, A, so suddenly, B, just by making an announcement, not letting the, the, the staff know beforehand what was going to happen, and then after it, playing Green Day, Time of Your Life as the song, which, of course, the real title of is Good Riddance, yeah. which they seem to really mess up in that. And then it's been replaced by a comedy channel. The good thing, though, is the Whitecaps can still stay on Team 1040 and kind of stay on brand. <laughs> it's going to be very fitting, I think, if they do that. I was going to put that question to Axel, but I thought, no, we're having a good chat and we've gone long, so we, we won't go down that road. Oh, my goodness. The, the thing is, though, they can't do that now because they'll just get ripped. I mean, T Bell Media might have said, look, we'll honour our thing, you'll be on 1040 still. They can't do it now. It's a comedy channel. They could maybe move to to Bloomberg 1410. I know it's a business network now, but they, they could still do that. We'll come to all that in a in a sec, but one big thing that that we have to talk about in all of this, Zach, is that the parent company of TSN ten forty, Bell Media, just got a pretty massive government handout as well to to help them with stuff, and then they do this. Yeah, I mean the reports are something like one hundred and twenty two million, and I mean, let's be clear, like lots of organizations and companies and whatever have gotten lots of money through the pandemic um, to keep them, to help them carry forward, um, to help compensate for the, the unique season of life that, that we're all walking through. So I, I don't, I don't uh, necessarily uh, think that that is wrong, but when you've had this influx of, of money to help compensate for these unique times, on top of the, again, this is reported. I haven't fact checked this or double checked this, but it's something like twenty-eight to thirty uh, percent uh, profits are up for the year or the quarter or something like that for for Bell. Those two things together make make this sit even more like awkward and more kind of more kind of frustrating. On the other hand, the, the, this, I guess the one other issue. Do you want to talk about the other issue? You want to talk more? Yeah, about yeah. Let's talk about that. The other issue, and, and and so Mike and I were talking a little bit about this, but um, one of the things that I've really struggled with is I've watched people give feedback on the situation situation of, of TSN 1040, uh, you know, closing or coming to a, a conclusion. Is um, people and I just I guess my question is is this a fair thing or not? But people have been saying stuff around. I can't believe Bell did this. When, you know, a week or two or three or ago, whatever it was, you know, they just had their Bell Let's Talk campaign, raising awareness for mental health, raising funds for mental health. And I guess part of my question is, is that really a, fa a fair part of the discussion around this whole closing of not just, I guess, not just TSN 1040. I heard it was Win Winnipeg and Hamilton had stations closed as well. Is, is that a fair part of the discussion when, when, you know, because they're into mental health doesn't mean that you have a job there for, for life, right? Like, it yeah. I mean, I, mean I, I do think it's unfair. Folk have put the two and two together because it's come on the back, pretty close yeah. to the back of it. But there's 
they're different things. Folk have been saying, well, I'm not going to support that next year. But you're not supporting Bell, per se. You're actually supporting money going to mental health charities. So unless you're still going to make a donation to mental health, that's fine. But the whole thing is to raise awareness and stuff. It's not about Bell. They do obviously get a big push out of it, PR-wise, globally as well. But you're not damaging Bell. You're damaging what the cause yeah. is for if you, if you boycott that. Yeah, and it just, that's the question I had. Is it fair? And Because and, in my my sense, it's, it's it seems not, that's not... I mean, there's also other reasons you can attack this decision. That seems like a, one that doesn't... Uh, I don't fully grasp why people have... Uh, you know, have said that that's uh, the, 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 the way they group the connection there. Some people just doesn't uh, seem fair or make sense to me personally. But yeah, obviously, you feel bad for people losing their jobs and 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 what's going to happen next for them. But um, yeah, and there's lots of ways to criticize this. I just don't really feel like that's one of them. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the landscape of of uh, sports radio in the Greater Vancouver area. Absolutely, I, I'll be honest. I barely listen to radio over here. I wrote an article this week. I love talk radio. I love sports talk radio. I'm switched off from it here because I'm not interested in the in the Canucks. It's not hating on the Canucks. It's just I, I, I like hockey, but I'm a Leafs fan. I don't want to hear wall-to-wall coverage uh, about the Canucks. I like variation as well. And I know they do have variation, stuff like Sakaris and Price. We cover a lot of, of things in, in their two hours and they had Whitecaps coverage and, and stuff like that. But for me, sports radio here, it doesn't do it. I listen to podcasts or I, I still listen to Five Live. But I'm shocked that, that this has happened. Yeah, I think it is. It, it definitely was shocking. Um, there's, there's so many different uh, elements or aspects of this that we could talk about that I think are meaningful and worthy of talking about. I don't know if we'll talk about them all today. But um, my, again, I, and I come at this with limited understandings, limited understanding about some of the elements of it. But uh, the whole let's let's break it down, I guess, in a few parts. The the whole approach, the way they went about um, stopping stopping it, uh, listening to some people um, is uh, is maybe not you know out of the ordinary for something like that, where they don't tell the employees so that yeah, no, no one can sabotage or rant or or whatever so i'm not saying that's right i'm not saying that's good no but i do i get it it just ethically and morally it it stinks yeah Uh, uh, so yeah there's so that's that's an interesting an 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 interesting piece yeah obviously personally i think yeah you want to treat your employees well and you want to you want to end if if, as much as possible you want to end as well as you begin with them or as well as the peaks years are which is something we've, you know, uh, or at least I've gone on a, a lot over the years about a certain organization. So that, yeah, that wasn't uh, that wasn't great. Um, I, I, I too don't listen to radio a lot like you. Uh, I would uh, put on ten forty to listen to football stuff. So when uh, you know World Cup was on or Euros was on, they had rights or whatever. I would definitely uh, listen to it for that. I would occasionally listen to when the local team was was playing uh especially when they had pre or post game shows and i was stuck somewhere like in a vehicle where i had no other options um which happened actually more more probably in the last year or two than than before that but um so yeah and and then on top of that i've come to know some of the people who work there you know you mean you know some of the football people who work there yeah and so i feel really i feel awful for them uh you know i don't know how 
how this impacts their future, but obviously it will impact their future in one way. Well, I've chatted to a couple and it's like, they, they don't know. A lot of it's still up in the air. Like some of them that do producers roles could get kept on by Bell in different capacities and, and stuff as well. It's just, I mean, I, I've heard murmurs that some of the, the, the presenter and staff are looking to try and bring out some kind of new project, some kind of, of maybe digital streaming platform. Right which I think there's a market for because this leaves a massive gulf in the market. You've got one sports radio station now in town and they've got the rights to the Canucks. So, I mean, they've got hours they can fill as they're doing just now. Yeah. But do they take some of the on-air personalities from 1040 over now to Sportsnet? If they do that, they'll have to get rid of some of their own staff. So there'll still be job losses there. There's the the thing. It's like, does six forty, six fifty rather? Do they want to expand their coverage really beyond the Canucks? Do they want to maybe add the Lions? Do they want to add the the Canadians? Do they want to add the Whitecaps? Where mm. does this leave the the Whitecaps just now? Folk have been saying to me, Vancouver's not a sports city, and it's like that's why no one wants to listen. But you've got to think as well. It's all down to advertising dollars. And just now, people aren't driving around as much, so they're maybe not listening to the radio as much. If you're working from home, do you put on the radio or do you put on the TV or a CD or something? I do the latter. I Michael, Michael, people don't use CDs anymore. Look behind me. I know. I, you should see my office. <laughs> it's the same, but people in general, Michael. Okay, well, Spotify or there you go. MySpace or... No, no, no. <laughs> Apple Music. Bebo. Was Bebo a big thing over here? It's a big thing. I don't, know what, I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, as soon as I mentioned that, Is I thought... Is that a Scottish swear word again? <laughs> I like my CDs. I still buy a lot of CDs over the course of the year. I, I used to, yeah, be all into that. I've got yeah. back into my cassettes. I've dug my old cassette oh, player out and I'm playing some of my mixtapes. I think I got rid of almost virtually all my cassettes. There's a couple of things I have on cassettes still, but... Y- years ago, one of my first cars only had a, a cassette player. So I had to buy like a CD thing to plug into the the lighter thing to, to play CDs. Now I'm trying to see, can I find a cassette player that I can actually attach to my car to play some of my cassettes in it? Caitlin thinks I'm having a midlife crisis. I'm like, of course I'm not. I'm not going to live to 104. <laughs> but that aside, I've gone way off tangent. This is why my chats with Axel was so long. There's a, there's a need there. And... I do believe, as I wrote, that there's a market for a platform that for a couple of hours you've got a show talking about soccer, a couple of hours about CFL, a couple of hours NFL, then the Canucks, then the Giants. The folk aren't going to be listening to it 24-7, not even like five, six, seven, eight hours. They'll tune into what they want, they'll download the podcasts. I think there is a market there. From chatting to folk and people telling me how radio works here, the, the CRTC is the big problem because you've got to get your license for doing a certain thing and it's very, very complicated and it all boils down to advertising dollars, which does leave the white caps in a bit of a pickle. And we spoke about it a little bit with Axel at the end there. Yeah. And it's now, I mean, we saw this during the pandemic where clubs basically became content providers and it's going to be the same again. The white caps are going to have to, to step up. They might be on the radio. They might have to pay to be on the radio. Yeah. 
or they might end up just doing it on their own website. website. Yeah. I, I can't, I, 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 that's the most, I mean, I haven't talked to, there's a couple people I haven't talked to yet about, you know, what, some of the stuff that's going on, but yeah, I, I would be surprised if that's not happening, if they don't just put it on their own website. Yeah. Which, you know, that I get, you, you got to make do, you got to make it available for people, but um, I, I still I find it magical listening to a game on the radio because that was what I did growing up, and it's got a, it's something it's a special thing for me mm-hmm. just to to do that. I've talked before that I got into American football by accidentally tuning into the Armed Forces Radio Network mm. and listening to a Forty Niners game, having no idea what sport I was listening to, but just captured by the American imaginations. And the next Saturday or Sunday, I tuned in and, and listened again and then fell in love with the sport that way. But like driving around in my car, like just listening to, to games on Five Live and stuff or Radio Scotland, it's a special place to me. It's sad to see that go. And if it's on a website, you can't really get your website in the car if you're driving around. You've got you your can. apps. You, just, you have to use data, which yeah. sucks. Yeah. So, I mean, there's all that kind of stuff. So, I, I put out on Twitter, I, I kind of crowdsourced as to where people thought the Whitecaps radio coverage might land or where they'd like to see it land. So, let's go over what some of the replies were. Greg Petrie at Our Dumb World said, 7.30 used to be the other sports radio station, but they lost out to 10.40. I sort of wonder if with all this talent out there right now, if they might get back into it. Ryan Burns says, I think there won't be a deal, and that will be all right in my opinion. Football just does not really need a radio broadcast again. I'd rather see more YouTube and podcast content about the team and league locally. Personally, I don't think I've ever listened to a Caps match via the radio. CD Pryor said, CKNW seems like a natural as they have had previous experience with Canucks and no conflicts. I've also enjoyed listening to the pre- and post-match broadcasts, so wherever it goes, I hope they continue to have the broadcasts available for download, like 1040 had. Top of the Box FC said, I think it would be great for CITR or any other independent small-time broadcaster. Maybe myself and Pete Shad can team up. Smaller-time outfit would honestly be a better look for the club. And Navid Masinchi replied to that saying, Not going to lie, but you and Pete Shad would be awesome. Tyler Green said, With the Caps likely having to pay to play, 650 is the best option. CITR has no reach. CKNW is too expensive. Not sure what the rights agreement was last year, but it may get honoured and end up being back on 1410. Tim Altman says, I think there is a precedent of it being on 1410, even after the format change. So I think it will remain on 10.40, even if it's funny 10.40. With 14.10, there's a backup as before. Carlos A. at Noberto said, Guess worst case, CKNW, but honestly, expect the Caps to send two interns, a cheap mic, and do online radio feeds from this stadium. Although, as Stefan Erickson points out, it is COVID, so it's going to be an old CRT monitor. And finally, unapologetically apologetic said, Probably Sportsnet, as they have the largest reach, but they have no football-specific talent, no community recognition, and competing with the Canucks would suck. This isn't a great situation for the club. And it isn't, Zach. It's a a horrible situation for the club to to suddenly find themselves in. If they did move to Sportsnet 650, 
that there's going to be clashes with Canuck games. It's as simple as that, and that's always going to take precedence. So it's going to be interesting to see see what they do. It's an opportunity for like ourselves, the other podcasts and blogs yeah. out there. I mean, we last year we kind of dabbled in doing some sort of we did the watch along for the MLS Cup. And we did some post-game shows live on YouTube. So we were looking to do more of that this year anyway. We might even want to do some commentary for some games or some more watch-alongs. If there's an interest in that, let us know. Because obviously it takes up a lot of our, our time. If the demand isn't there to, to do it and you'd rather just watch the games on the TV, then we can do post-game shows. But if you are interested in watch-alongs, I was going to say primarily for away games, but why does that matter? Because we're... They're all away games. Every game is uh, a away game. Yeah. yeah those, I mean, those, those are a lot. Those are a lot, a lot of fun. I don't know if you yeah. saw on Facebook, I saw at least one person say that um, you shouldn't be listening to the radio anyways when there's things like AFTN putting out, putting out quality content. Oh, I didn't say that. That's, that's very nice. I forget, but, I forget the poster's name. Otherwise, I'd mention them. But I mean, it's an opportunity for everyone. We are looking to do a lot more video stuff this year anyway. So that is probably something that we'll look to do. We've got a few weeks now to to kind of get all our ducks in a row in that. But let us know what you'd like to see us doing. So that's pretty much it for tonight's show. But before we go, we've got to bring you this week's Wavelength. And since it's Valentine's weekend, I've gone for a song that's kind of got a a romantic theme and it's football related. They're, they're, they're tough to find. We've played one before by the band Space, I Love You More Than Football. Foolish, if you ask me. But for this one, we've gone to a band that we've played before Halftime Oranges from their second album, Rotterdam Nation. And this is a tale about two young lads at school. All they used to love to do is go and play football after school and just hang out and have fun. But then one of the guys falls in love with a girl in his class. And the football goes out the window. This is Girl from 4B. We used to have fun times together. Jumpers for post games end in 12 all Our knees were blooded for many a fall She's got you wrapped around a little finger You're missing football training just for Now you've got no time left for me Since you Lost a lot now, can't you see? Since you took up with the girl from 4B
Half-time oranges there. Girl from 4B. Sure could kind of work in a pulled-off at half-time joke, but we'll move swiftly on. That is it for tonight's show. Thank you for listening as always. Just before we go, Zach, just let everyone know where they can find you online. Uh, Twitter, at ZacharyAM. Happy Valentine's Day to everyone listening, and happy Family Day. Oh yes, it is Happy Family Day. So happy Family Day to your family from the AFTN family. And happy Valentine's Day as well. We'll bring this one out a little bit early as our special Valentine's Day treat to you all. What more could you want as you're lying in bed with your loved one than listening to us talk about Whitecaps and MLS? I mean, if Don Garber chatting to you whilst you're lying in bed with your loved one doesn't do it for you, I I don't know what will. You might want to seek counselling. If you're if you're listening to to this in bed with your loved one, <laughs> I'm trying to trying to build the mood up. I can do my sexy voice. Hi, I'm Michael McCall. You can listen to me on what? ball. You can follow me. I'll start that again. <laughs> Wait, one person's sexy voice is another person's creepy voice. <laughs> well, actually, two people's cre- creepy voices because Caitlin says that about my sexy voice as well. Funnily enough. Let's let's just drop the sexy voice then, or stroke creepy voice. I'll just put a clown mask on next. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. Been some good stuff up on that this week. If you want to also read Peter Hicken's article on there, just about Moneyball and MLS and how the Whitecaps have not quite followed that mantra. Maybe things will change now with the overhaul, overhaul. But you can give us a follow on all of those things. Also on Instagram at AFT and Soccer and on YouTube backslash AFT in Canada. Like, subscribe, thumbs up. We'll have some stuff on that soon. But that is it for this week's show. We'll be back soon with some more fun-filled soccer chat. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care and more the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.